It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. All right, what's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. It is Pushing the Limits time. So glad that you could join us. And uh, we got a lot to get to today, a lot to go over, and uh, a lot of sports to talk about today. Get into a little bit of politics, but yeah, we got a lot of sports to talk about, particularly (laughs) the drama that is uh, involving the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, It happened, uh, in my opinion, a month or two too late. Maybe two or three years too late. I don't know. I never thought Derek Carr was the guy that was going to bring the Raiders to the promised land. But uh, Derek Carr is not only not playing the rest of the year, but he's away from the team. So we're going to uh, have some uh, coverage on that. Scott Gulbrinson, as we like to call him, Gully from Silver and Black today. Great podcast. He's going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour to kind of give us some information on that. Uh, is the writing on the wall? I would say yes. Derek Carr will never be playing another game for the Raiders, in my personal opinion, but I could be wrong on that. We'll talk to Gully coming up at the bottom of the hour. Really, really, really bad loss for UNLV basketball. And uh, I think it's the low point so far the season. You start Martin West Conference play. You're on the road against a, a team that's not very good in San Jose State. If you want to compete to win the Mountain West Conference, uh, the team that wins the Mountain West Conference this year is not going to lose to San Jose State. They're just not. This was a bad loss on the road, and there's a lot of different reasons for it. Ron Futrell, the man, the myth, the legend, Channel 8 Sports, will be joining us in studio in hour number two. We'll certainly talk a little UNLV hoops. Uh, we'll talk about another very disappointing loss for the Vegas Golden Knights against a very, very bad Anaheim team. Uh, so we'll talk to him about that. And uh, crazy sports weekend. As I mentioned, the Raiders, we got the 49ers in town on Sunday. Boy, a lot of people are going to have... Some nice uh, hangovers. <laughs> 1 p.m. game on Sunday, uh, New Year's Day in Las Vegas. Uh, I could be wrong on this one, but there's going to be some people that are not going to be feeling so good at that game. I don't know how the beer uh, sales are going to go, but uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the program as well. So like I said, man, a lot to get to, a lot to go over today. And uh, we always throw a little bit of politics and news in there as well, as I like to always do. So have you heard about this uh, George Santos story? Uh, it's pretty mesmerizing to me, but I guess not shocking, right? This is the guy recently who, who lied about his heritage, saying that he was Jewish. He's pretty much lied about everything on his resume. Uh, and now federal prosecutors in New York are investigating the finances of George Santos. Uh, news of the probe uh, undertaken by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of New York comes as uh, the Republican admitted to lying about just about everything about his biography. I mean, this is really mesmerizing. He's faced questions over his wealth and loans totaling more than $700,000 that he made to his successful 2022 campaign. Uh, The U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of New York uh, is not commenting, but there is so much stuff that has been uncovered about this guy and the lies and the deceit. It's really unbelievable. It's one thing if you lie about one thing in your life, But it's another thing if you lie about pretty much everything in your life, including his religion, his finances, his education. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, Santos uh, did some interviews in the last several days, but uh, more more falsehoods about Santos, including claims he was forced to leave a New York City private school 
when his family's real estate assets took a downturn and stating he represented Goldman Sachs at a top financial conference. Uh, CNN also confirming to the Times that Santos was charged with embezzlement in a Brazilian court dating back to 2011. This is according to case records from Rio de Janeiro Court of Justice. Court records from 2013 state that the charge was uh, archived after a court summons and unanswered, and then they were unable to locate Santos. And then it comes to his religion. And he said he was Jewish. He said his grandmother was Jewish. And then in recent interviews, he said, well, I'm Jew-ish, but I never said I was Jewish. I mean, I think we all could read between the lines here. Now, I'm not a Tulsi Gabbard fan. I'm certainly not a Tucker Carlson fan. Uh, but this guy went on Tulsi, uh, went on with Tulsi Gabbard yesterday. And well, it didn't go so well for him because when you are being, I shouldn't say attacked, but when you are being grilled by somebody on Fox News and you're a Republican, chances are, uh, it didn't go very well. So I want to play you that audio. This is Santos. Speaking with Tulsi Gabbard, who fills in for the white supremacist himself, Tucker Carlson, and uh, Tulsi Gabbard just grilling this guy. It didn't go very well for him. Have a listen to this. Not about the Democratic Party, though. This is about your relationship, frankly, with the people who've entrusted you to go and and fight for them. And I think one of the questions that that really probably hits home to a lot of people is is. Are you Jewish? We've got a letter that your campaign sent out earlier this year, which reads as follows. As a proud American Jew, I've been to Israel numerous times for educational, business, and leisurely trips. You said there in that letter that you are, quote, a proud American Jew. How do you, how do you explain that? My heritage is Jewish. I've always identified as Jewish. I was raised a practicing Catholic. I think I've gone through this. Even I've not not being raised a practicing Jew, I've always joked with friends and circles, even with in the campaign, I'd say, guys, I'm Jewish. Remember, I was raised Catholic. So look, I understand everybody wants to nitpick at me. I, I'm going to reassure this once and for all. I'm not a facade. I'm not a persona. I, I have an extensive career that I worked really hard to achieve. And I'm going to deliver from my experience because I remain committed in delivering results for the American people. I campaigned on inflation. I campaigned on crime. I campaigned on education. I campaigned on delivering resolve for the American people. That's what the people of the 3rd Congressional District heard me on and on as I campaigned. Now it's going to be up, uh, incumbent upon me to deliver on those results. And I look forward to servicing, you're, you're servicing exactly and, right. and serving my, pe- my district. I look forward to serving the, my people results, in my district to make sure that they see that, that this is what. For. All right. So the interview goes on and on and she continues to grill him. And she said, do you have any shame? Uh, Keith Olbermann, I think, said it best on uh, Twitter yesterday. He said, dear George Santos, you just lost an ethics debate to Tulsi effing Gabbard. Have some self-respect and flee the country tonight. He's sort of right on that. But listen, then you have a lot of people on the right. Who are saying, well, what about this? What about ism? What about ism? Um, Charlie Kirk, who is another white supremacist sympathizer, who one day I believe will probably be a clan member or a grand wizard. Uh, this is what he put out on social media. And then we'll talk about it. He said, if the left wants Representative George Santos to resign for lying on his resume, then I demand the resignation of lying Adam Schiff, brother marrying Ilhan Omar, uh, Swalwell, Pocahontas Warren, wet market Fauci, 
The border is secure, Mayorkas. All right, so I, I can easily go through this one by one for you uh, because that's a ridiculous tweet. First of all, let me start with Elizabeth Warren. And by the way, calling her Pocahontas has racist uh, overtones, but obviously somebody like Charlie Kirk has no problem with that because he attacks brown people every day. Liz Warren, Elizabeth Warren did embellish the fact that she was of Indian descent, native Indian descent. She did embellish that. There's no question about that. She didn't lie about her education and she didn't lie about her money. She didn't lie about anything that, so that she could uh, remain in office. She didn't lie in her resume. She didn't lie about her education. So comparing Elizabeth Warren to this bastard Santos, this lying bastard is absurd. But that's what Charlie Kirk does. And, you know, people say lying Adam Schiff. Where did Adam Schiff lie? Where did he lie? There was interference in our 2020 elections. That's uh, 2016 election. Excuse me. That That's a fact. Where did Adam Schiff lie? I'd love to know that. Now, I'm not an Ilhan Omar fan, and I never have been. But that's also a lie. She didn't say she married her brother. She didn't marry her brother. That's just simply not true. Uh, Swalwell didn't lie either. He was investigated by the FBI, have you? And there was no wrongdoing there. So Charlie Kirk is lying there as well. And as far as these attacks on Dr. Fauci, because white supremacists like Charlie Kirk do it all the time, Dr. Fauci never lied. He didn't lie about what took place in Wuhan, China. He didn't make a profit off of COVID. He's worked for five different administrations. He's not a liar. Did he get some things wrong? Yeah, a lot of people got some things wrong. This was a new virus that we had never seen before. It was a global pandemic that we've never seen before in our lifetime. And Dr. Fauci's not perfect, but there's no evidence to support the fact that he intentionally lied about anything. But that's what Charlie Kirk would lead you to believe, that all these people are just like Santos. Let me be very clear. There is not one Democrat in office right now that has done what this guy Santos has done. Santos has basically lied about everything. He didn't just lie about the fact that he was Jewish. He lied about his education. He lied about what colleges he went to. He lied about where he got his degree from. He lied about his finances. This guy has literally lied about everything. And why did he do it? So that he could get into office and be in power. So these idiots on the right that are going on social media, that are trying to compare the two, there is no comparison of the two. There's none. Absolutely none. CBS News, by the way, first recorded, uh, reported, I should say, about this federal probe, which comes as the Nassau County District Attorney's Office announced that it was looking into fabrications from Santos. Uh, the numerous fabrications and inconsistencies associated with the Congressman-elect Santos are nothing short of stunning, said Nassau County District Attorney Ann Donnelly. She said that residents in New York's 3rd Congressional District covers parts of Nassau County must have an honest and accountable representative in Congress. No one is above the law. And if a crime was committed in the county, we will prosecute it. Brendan Brosh, a spokesperson for the office, added, we are looking into the matter. CNN reached out to uh, a representative for Santos for comment on the probes. And the New York Times first uh, revealed last week that Santos' biography appeared to be uh, partly fictional. <laughs> um, you know, we know this isn't anything new, right, that politicians lie. Sometimes they embellish. Even members of the media do. Uh, it happens all the time, right? I, the, the guy who, who, who does, did the 11th hour, 
I mean, he embellished, he lied. Sometimes reporters lie about their coverage of stories. Oh, there were bullets whizzing by my head. People lie in life, right? But the difference here is that this guy lied about everything. And there's a fine line between lying and then lying about everything. <laughs> I mean, that's what this guy Santos has done. He's basically lied about everything. And then if you talk to Republicans on the other side, you know, Republicans will say, well, wait a second. What about Elizabeth Warren? What about this? What about that? Yes, that's why we call it whataboutism. There's no comparison between the two with Donald Trump's lies. There's no comparison between the two. Have Democrats lied? Absolutely. But to compare Elizabeth Warren to Santos is so disingenuous and it's so stupid and it's so wrong. And it's absurd. But this is uh, where we're at right now. You know, we're heading into 2023. And we're very divided on so many different issues. Racial issues. Basic political issues. Abortion. This is a very, very divided country now. In fact, I think we're more divided than we've been in my lifetime. I'm 42 years old. We're very divided. And... I think there's a lot of probably a lot of different reasons for that. I certainly don't think Donald Trump helped any, but the Democrats are, you know, listen, Republicans and Democrats have been doing this for a very, very long time. And we, the American people, are the ones that suffer because of it. We can't have people in office, though, that lie about their resume and literally lie about everything. It's one thing to embellish something. It's another thing to flat out lie about things. This guy shouldn't be in office. It's an embarrassment, and it's an embarrassment to the country. It's an embarrassment to New York, his district. It's an embarrassment to the country. This stuff just can't happen. So, yes, if this guy had any decency, which clearly he doesn't, he would step down, but he's not going to do that. And it's going to be a media circus, and it's going to continue. And let this be a lesson to anybody that runs for office. So we'll continue to uh, monitor this story. Uh, moving forward. And uh, tomorrow, a programming note, Michelle Mortens is going to be joining us in studio tomorrow. And uh, we're kind of going to be going over and reviewing the year of 2022 in all aspects, not just politics. So she'll be joining us and we'll cer- I'll certainly ask her about this and, and ask her if she thinks that uh, Santos should remain in office. Uh, but before uh, we talk a little Raiders football, and we will at the bottom of the hour, Scott Goberson uh, will be joining us from Silver and Black Today podcast, talk about Derek Carr and and uh, more drama involving the Raiders. But before we get to that, I do want to talk a little UNLV basketball today. And I got to tell you, I've been very high on Kevin Kruger. I've been very high on the UNLV basketball program, but that was a really bad loss last night. San Jose State is not a good basketball team. Are they better than they were last year? Yeah. You look at their record, you say, well, Brian, San Jose State, they're nine and four. That's, that's pretty impressive. They haven't beaten anybody. It's a bad basketball team. And UNLV prides itself, at least under Kevin Kruger, with their defense. They gave up 41 points to San Jose State in the first half. My one criticism of Kevin Kruger so far was their out-of-conference schedule, which was terrible. They really didn't play anybody. I think the best team they played was Minnesota. They didn't play anybody. Now, their record was very good. They're off to a great start. But when you don't play anybody, sometimes players will walk into that arena in San Jose and just think you're going to come away with a W. Conference play is very, very different. It's uh, Say what you want about the Mountain West Conference. It's a very physical basketball conference. Uh, very physical. You know, big guys under the basket. And uh, it's a defensive-minded league. And San Jose State played hard yesterday. At least in the first half, UNLV did not. That's unlike Kevin Kruger's teams. And yesterday was the first sign of a team that was just not ready to play. 
Now, even though they were down 11 points, and I think at one point in the game they were down 13 or 14, um, Kevin's teams did, you know, they usually fight back, and they did yesterday, and I give them credit for that. They played much better in the second half. If they started the game like that, they would have won by double digits, but they didn't. They got themselves in a hole. They fought back. They got the game into, the, into overtime, but Harkless didn't score in the first half. I think he scored 20 in the second half. Your best offensive player needs to play better, and he was not very good in the first half. He was terrible in the first half. This is a bad loss, and I know a lot of people are, uh, hey, Brian, it's only one game, but I can tell you right now, the winner of the Mountain West Conference is not going to lose to San Jose State. They're going to beat them twice, so this is a bad loss. You know, Kevin, after the game, was obviously quite disappointed, and he should be, and he said, we're going to find out what this team is made of the next couple days, and the reason why he said that is because they play San Diego State on Saturday at 1 p.m. San Diego State is a good basketball team. They probably have the best player in the conference. They're big. They're strong. They have pretty good guard play. And I, uh, UNLV is lucky this game is home, but this is going to be a very difficult game for them. I don't think it's a good matchup for UNLV. So we'll have to wait and see what happens here. But disappointing. You know, as I said, is the word that I would use. This is a very disappointing loss. Will they bounce back? I don't know. Will they be better than they were yesterday? I would say probably yes. I don't think they beat San Diego State. And I, I could be wrong on that. I hope I am. Best player on the floor is on San Diego State. I would say Dutch at this point in Kevin's career is probably still a better coach because of his experience. All due respect to Kevin. They have good guard play. They have senior leadership. This is going to be a very difficult game for UNLV. And if they win, it's a great bounce back game. It's a great opportunity for them. I just don't know they do. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But I uh, saw some other Mountain West Conference games yesterday. Nice win for Steve Alford up there at Nevada, beating Boise State. Boise State's a good basketball team. Uh, so that was a nice win for uh, Steve Alford. And he's got Nevada playing much better than, than where they were at at this time last year. So Alford's a good coach. He knows the Mountain West Conference. The team that really has surprised me thus far in the Mountain West Conference is New Mexico. Uh, Patino Jr. is doing a really good job with that team. Utah State's winning a lot of games. They're a good basketball team as well. This is a decent conference this year, and it's not like you have like one team that's a top 25 team in the country, and then you have a huge drop-off. No, you got like four or five teams that are right there, That maybe even six teams. Throw Nevada in there, too, that can beat any team at any given time. That's very, very good uh, for the conference. That's a that's a really good thing. So we'll have to wait and see how uh, this plays out. But UNLV's got a huge game on Saturday. This is a big game against San Diego State. Make no mistake about it. And uh, tough loss last night. Really disappointing loss. Listen, that happens. It's how a team comes back for it that makes them who they are. But uh, you can't lose to San Jose State. That's a tough loss. So maybe maybe this will be a good thing for UNLV. I don't know. Maybe this will be a good thing for them in the long run. But uh, conference play in any conference is very, very different than, uh, you know, out of conference play. Conference play in, in, in most conferences, very, very different. It's extremely competitive. The Mountain West Conference is very, very physical. So we're going to get uh, a lot of coverage here on the Raiders situation. And unless you've been living under a rock, you know that uh, Derek Carr has been benched. But even worse, I don't even know if he's going to be on the sidelines. He's, he's stepped away from the team. Uh, doesn't want to cause any distractions. I don't know what took place in the last week. Uh, we know that disgusting performance on the road against Pittsburgh. That was terrible. I don't know what else has transpired over the last week. I can't speak to that. I don't know. And that's why we've got Scott uh, Gulbrinson Gully coming on at the bottom of the hour. I'm going to ask him about that. 
But in my personal opinion, the writing has been on the wall for a long time now. I don't think Derek Carr is, there's no chance he's going to be coming back as a Raider next year. And listen, Devontae Adams is his good friend. They've known each other for a very long time. They're best of friends. So of course, Devontae is going to defend him. And Devontae made some comments saying, that's my guy. And I really don't have much else to say. You can talk to coach, but I back my guy 100%. I expect Devontae to say that. They're friends. Of course, he's going to back. Derek Carr's been terrible this year. I'm not going to sugarcoat things. Derek Carr has been really awful. And, you know, he signs a $120 million contract extension, $40 million a year. He's not playing at a level where you would pay this guy $10 million a year. He's not throwing the ball all year with accuracy. You guys have seen the games. I shouldn't have to tell you. Derek Carr has been really bad. And, you know, I'm listening to some other national shows talk about this, and they're getting into the weeds. This is a very simple situation. You don't have to be that bright to understand what's going on and why the Raiders are doing this. They're doing it for one reason and one reason only. They're going to pay this guy $5 million, and they're going to say bye-bye. They're going to save some money on the contract, and they're going to let him go. I don't think that's up for debate. I don't think, uh, I thought there was a 1% chance he would come back as a Raider next year. I'm saying 0% right now. No chance. Now, the fact that he's not even with the team is really strange to me. That's more than just a football decision. And, uh, we'll ask Gully about that coming up at the bottom of the hour. I don't know why that happened. What happened? Maybe something happened at practice, discussion with McDaniels. I don't know. But the fact that he's not even with the team is, that takes it to even another level, maybe even a personal level. That's very, very strange. But the season's been over for quite some time. Yeah, there was a little bit of hope when they won three games in a row. But the season's been over for quite some time now. And you have to look to next year. My big concern is Josh Jacobs. You have to re-sign Josh Jacobs, and I don't think they will. They they have a history with the Raiders of not uh, re-signing and giving big contracts to running backs. Josh Jacobs is having a career year. We all see what he's done out there. He's got so much passion, and he is very frustrated. You saw the comments he made after the Pittsburgh game. He is not a happy camper because he wants results, and he's had results himself personally, but the team hasn't had results. You have to find a way to re-sign this guy. We got Max Crosby. You hope the defense will be better and perform better next year. But you've heard the rumors, and you hear these three quarterbacks that could be here next year. And I don't know if this is true or not. Garoppolo is one name that's come up. I would take Garoppolo in a heartbeat. I think he would fit in well here in Las Vegas. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers could be a pipe dream, but I think that could be also a possibility. Aaron Rodgers is not happy in Green Bay. You got a lot of young guys there. It doesn't fit him. And the Raiders are trying to make out that, well, we're young. We're going to give other guys chances. The Raiders, this is not a young football team. You got a lot of veterans on this team. I think Aaron Rodgers would come here in a heartbeat if he got the right contract. And then there's Tom Brady. And I know, you know, people are, are speculating about that. I talked about it the other day. Tom Brady just brought a home here in Las Vegas in Summerlin, right near Mark Wahlberg, right down the street, his good friend. That might not be a coincidence. They could have a deal already in place. I don't know. We don't know that. But those are the first three quarterbacks that come to mind for me that would work here. Now, obviously, of those three, I think Aaron Rodgers would be the best choice because Aaron Rodgers right now is a better quarterback than Tom Brady and Garoppolo. And Aaron Rodgers still has years left. He takes care of his body. He's still in good physical condition. Aaron Rodgers would be a smash hit here. And I think uh, assuming you keep Josh Jacobs, which is a big assumption because I don't think they do, assuming everybody else stays intact and you still have Devontae Adams uh, with Aaron Rodgers reuniting, that's another thing. 
You don't think Aaron Rodgers would want to reunite with Devontae Adams? You get Aaron Rodgers back here with, De- with Devontae Adams, you you rejoin those two. Raiders are one of the favorites to win it all. I'm telling you, I really believe that. Now, I'm not a big Josh McDaniels guy, and a lot of this falls on McDaniels and his coaching staff as well. Uh, a lot of the flack's going to be put on Derek Carr, rightfully so. The play calling has been awful. These guys have not been giving 100%. They can say they've been giving 100%, but they have not. Some of these losses have been abysmal. Can't say they gave 100% against Pittsburgh. The loss to the Saints this year, giving up that huge lead to Jacksonville. I can go on and on. So you really can't say that the coaching uh, doesn't bear a little bit of responsibility. We're going to talk about all these issues with my boy Gully from Silver and Black podcast coming up at the bottom of the hour and uh, get a little bit more uh, information from him on why Derek Carr is not even with the team, let alone being benched. We all know why he was benched. Why is he not even with the team? I want to tell you guys about uh, my favorite gaming bar in town. Before we take a break, I'm talking about Jackson's Bar and Grill. Their December promos are, well, it's almost the end of December, so take advantage. On Sunday, earn 200 points, you get $50 in free play. On Mondays, you earn 200 points, get a free bottle of wine. Tuesday, 10 times points all day. Uh, so you still have Sunday to be able to do that. Great food, great atmosphere. Please check them out. Jackson's Bar and Grill, located at Flamingo and Jones. In January 20th, they're having their 20th year anniversary. There'll be some special celebrity guests. I'll be able to give out more information on that after, after the new year. But uh, Jackson's Bar and Grill, check them out. Tell them I sent you located at Flamingo and Jones. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Scott Gormanson. Gully's going to be joining us, Silver and Black Today podcast, and get the lowdown. What is going on with the Raiders? Why is Derek Carr not with the team? We'll ask him all those questions coming up next. We will take a quick break, and we will be back right after this. You are listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? And you can be a hero. Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702 848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. 
everybody. It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. A great time. Your entertainment destination, the South Point, invites you to experience the ultimate great time under one roof. Dancing, a live show, a movie, delicious dining, and one of South Point's 11 restaurants. So much to see. So much to do. You won't know where to start first. This week, make it a South Point week and discover for yourself why the South Point is your entertainment destination for a great time. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Thursday. Thank you so much for joining us. A lot of Raiders drama, right? I think that's I think that's fair to say. There's a lot going on with the Raiders right now, and Derek Carr ain't going to be wearing silver and black very soon. I think the writing is on the wall. But I got a lot of questions that I want to ask this man who does such a great job, the Silver and Black podcast, really the, the best Raider insider show you could listen to. My friend Scott Galbranson Gully joining us. And uh, Scott couldn't ask for a better person to have on to talk about all these issues. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good, Brian. Although I, yeah, there's there's some in Raider Nation not real happy with me today because I'm just spitting truth and talking about the business side of things. And we know fans don't always look at their favorite team, their favorite players from a business perspective. Well, you know, I have a lot of people on social media that don't like me either, uh, Gully. So <laughs> so get get used to it, my friend. But one thing I've always loved about you, and uh, you're honest, and and that's why I love having you on. Let's start from the beginning, okay? Did something transpire this week after we know the Pittsburgh game was abysmal, but that wasn't the first horrendous game that Derek Carr's had. Did something happen in practice? Was there some sort of incident or conversation? What was the trigger point for Josh McDaniels to all of a sudden say, okay, we're done with you, Derek? Well, I, listen, I, I don't think it was an incident. I think it's the collective nature of how the season has rolled on and how Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr maybe were never really a great fit. It takes time to understand if that's true. Josh McDaniels, as I've talked to you about on this show, Brian, several times, I think he's he's managed games poorly. He's had his own issues this year. Some of those impacted Derek Carr. Some of those impacted this Raiders team. You don't lose four double-digit leads in the second half because you're coaching uh, and you're adjusting really well at halftime. So so I think there's blame to go around. Derek Carr is not to blame for this team and where they're at fully, but Derek Carr is responsible for his play. And if you go back earlier in the season, one thing we pointed out on our show was 
when people were asking Carr to comment, how come you didn't do this? How come you didn't throw to Devontae Moore? How come you didn't uh, check out of that play, go to this play? And Derek Carr emphatically said each time, hey, I'm just doing what Josh tells me to do. Now, yes, okay, that sounds like a dutiful soldier, but at some point, are you, aren't you kind of throwing your coach under the bus? You're basically saying it's not my fault. I'm just doing what he tells me to do. And so I think the the collective nature of perhaps them not seeing eye to eye. And then let's put on top of this. Let's be truth. Let's talk the truth here. Derek Carr has not had a good year. Whether or not his coach has had a good year or not, too, is worthy of discussion. But Derek Carr has underperformed. And so going into this last two weeks of the season, I think the timing really is more about the business side of things. And that is if he gets hurt, yes, it's $40 million they're on, on the bite for. So I had a, I had somebody tweet at me say, Hey, listen, well, then why didn't they, if it's about getting hurt, why didn't they sit him two weeks ago? And I think they gave him every opportunity. And I think the Pittsburgh game, going back to what you said, was the final straw, uh, for this coaching staff and for the GM and apparently for the owner. Gully, I agree with everything you just said, and it's unfortunate that fans don't seem to understand the business of this league, and it's like they don't want to make this Raiders team better. Listen, I think Derek Carr's a decent guy. He's a good family man, uh, but you're right. He's had a horrible year. He's been terrible this year, and quite frankly, I am sick and tired of his press conferences, and Josh McDaniels as well. Oh, we got to learn how to win. Uh, I'm sick of that nonsense as well. It's buffoonery, and then Derek Carr. Well, guys, it's on me. It's on me. I mean, I'm getting sick of it. Uh, I appreciated his emotion last month when he when he got emotional, and then they won three games in a row. Uh, I know Derek Carr wants to win badly. I get that. He's not worth $40 million a year. It's, it's it, it, So my understanding from a business perspective mm-hmm. is by G June, correct me if I'm wrong, they have to pay out $5 million and then they can let him go, correct? Actually, it's three days after the Super Bowl. They have to either exercise his option, which would guarantee him then obviously the next three years, or they have to opt out. So it's a quick turnaround, Brian. I mean, they have to make this choice, but it seems like they've made the choice. Is there still a chance that he comes back? Perhaps. It doesn't seem plausible at this point, but there is a chance because they can exercise his option um, and and I, they got to try to trade him. He has value. To your point, listen, Derek Carr, with if, if Tua steps aside in Miami because of all the injuries, which it looks like he may end up doing because it's just so egregious what's happened to that kid in Miami, perhaps that would be a good spot. A warm weather city, a team that's pretty close, has a lot of talent. Derek Carr can succeed. I'm not saying he can't, but what he hasn't been able to do is overcome the dysfunction of the Raider organization. That's number one. But number two, he also has not been able to raise his level of play to overcome it. There are guys who can. Josh Allen, these type of guys who are just phenomenal. And Derek Carr is a good middle-of-the-road quarterback. He's an above-average quarterback. We've said that all along. To your point, a good guy. He's been a dutiful soldier. At the same time, though, people are complaining how he's being treated. Look, He got benched. He hasn't been released yet. I know the writing's on the wall, but he hasn't been released yet. He gets benched, and he takes his ball, and he goes home. He he asked the team to leave, and the team gave him permission to leave for the last two weeks. I get it. You know, feelings are at a a, a fever pitch as far as I'm sure he's upset about it. But look, this guy's not a victim. He made $150 million with this team. He signed with them twice when he could have walked away. So he signed up for staying in the organization. So I'm not going to feel sorry for him. I wish him the best of luck. And I think he can succeed at a certain level. And if he gets on the right team, he can lead them to winning, uh, winning football. No question. The fact that anybody out there would say that he's been mistreated is a complete moron. That's number one. Number two, <laughs> uh, I want to ask you this, because to me, this is, I, I like Derek Carr. I do believe he has mm-hmm. character. 
Mm-hmm. We don't know what was said uh, between McDaniels and the coaching staff or players. We don't know. But but True. but but with that being said, for him to ask to leave the organization and not put his jersey on and be a good teammate on the sidelines, regardless of what may have happened with him and coaches, and we don't know, to me right. is very problematic. You're still making a lot of money. You're still getting paid a lot of money for him to not want to even be with the team this weekend on the sidelines in, in, in being a teammate to me. That's a character issue. I'm sorry. I'm just going to call it for what it is. Why is, why did he tell the organization? I guess that's the billion dollar question I'm asking you, Scott. Yeah. Why did he tell the organization? I don't want to be with the team. Yeah. We don't know what was said to your point. I mean, and so that's the big caveat here. And I've been very critical of this kind of handling of this. And I get a lot of people telling me, well, what if you were fired? Would you want to sit there if they fired you and train your your backup who's going to take your job? It's not apples to apples comparison that way, because number one, he has not been fired. Well, yeah, but they're going to get rid of him. Yes, they are probably going to get rid of him. But it's professional football. You got paid a ton of cash to play the game. And he, and at the press conference, Josh McDaniels, unless he was lying, maybe he did. He said, Derek has said, Hey, he's there to help Jared Stidham the last couple of weeks. And then a couple hours later, we hear that he's left the facility and he's not coming back for these two weeks. Maybe Derek changes his mind. I get it. It's an emotional time. All of us at one point or another have been fired or let go or demoted. It's happened to everybody. It doesn't feel good, but knowing that you may go to another team and that you make it traded and that team wants to see what you're all about. Uh, I think it points to Derek Carr retiring, frankly. I think he might just walk away. He's got a lot left in the tank, I'm sure, but maybe he doesn't want to do it. He said that on numerous occasions. It might have been lip service. I don't know, but this action was so surprising to me that I tend to think he might just walk away from the game. You might be onto something there, uh, Scott. I haven't heard really anybody say that, but you, this is out. Is it fair to say this is out of character for Derek Carr to not still be around the team and to say, I basically want to go home and be with my family or whatever he said? This is out of character for him. I think so um, on one side, but on the other side, I sort of understand it because, again, the Raider organization for a lot of, I mean, for the whole time he was there was pretty much a dumpster fire. I mean, you think about the coaches he went through, uh, all the turmoil they went through after uh, Al Davis passed away. I mean, he was drafted in 2014. So so you look at all that's happened since he was there. I Again, I don't blame him for being road weary, so to speak. I think we heard some of that this year. But at the same time, you know, always finish strong. It's not who cares what you do for the regular organization. If you ever do anything, you want to hurt them and beat them and go back and not make it easy for them. That's cool. That's great. But for your teammate, that's where I'm surprised because I've always heard from Derek Carr's teammates what a great guy he is and how much he cares about his guys. And so that's what surprises me. Not that he's upset. Not that it's a terrible ending to something that uh, that looked beautiful for a while, at least. Um, but but yeah, the walking away from the teammates and maybe he'll change his mind. Maybe he'll come back and maybe he'll be on the sidelines. I hope he is, because I think that would be the right move and it tarnishes his legacy a little bit. You know, we all hear Derek Carr, great teammate, great dude. Uh, you're still getting paid a lot of money, Derek. You need to be there on the sidelines. You need to be there for your teammates. Forget about the coaching staff. Forget about Mark Davis. Your teammates have always been there for you, and you've sucked this year. And I haven't heard one teammate say Derek Carr's not been very good. They have always backed you. It's time for him to back his teammates. 
Yeah, and and Brian, I'm going to use an example for for the folks in Vegas because, and this is somebody you were you were critical of uh, during his tenure of coach at UNLV, and that's my good friend. He's a personal friend, Dave Rice. What did Dave Rice do on Senior Night just a week after he was fired? Mm-hmm. He sat in the stands. I know because me and my wife sat next yep. to him and his wife Mindy at the game. He went for Senior Night right after the university where he won a national championship and coached fired him. He showed up. Because he wanted the kids to know he was there for them. Gully, you, so are so right. you are so, so right. You are so right. That's that is the, the lens I look at this through yep. because I've had a personal experience. But also, look, I know it sucks. Nobody wants to be in there. Nobody wants to be fired from their job or lose their job or be benched. Just do the right thing there. So, so maybe there is more to it. I'll, I'll give the benefit of the doubt and say there's got to be something else going on because it is out of character. Very out of character. And, you know, you brought up Dave Rice. I'll just add to that. You know, I was very critical of Dave Rice, the head coach. But Mm -hmm. one thing I've never done with Dave Rice is uh, attack him personally, class act, through and through. And even the day he was fired, he held a press conference, and he knew I was very critical. And he shook my hand. He said, thank you, Brian. Nothing but class from Dave Rice. Uh, I gave him all the credit in the world for that, the way he handled that situation, which was, by the way, not handled very well by UNLV. And Dave Rice, <laughs> Dave Rice, yeah, the, no question about that. But Dave Rice, you're absolutely right. That's such a great... Uh, the analogy you're making of, you know, Dave Rice. And by the way, Derek Carr hasn't even been fired. He's still getting paid. Uh, Correct. It's it just he's being benched. I mean, it happens to anybody in sports for the most part. And so far, the way he's handled this, I give him an F minus. I hope that he reassesses. Listen, if there was some sort of family emergency or something personal, completely sure. different, understandable. But we haven't heard of that. So until I do, I'm going to assume that Derek Carr is being a bad teammate and we'll have to take it from there. All right. So, Scott, let's. Move on now to who you think uh, the Raiders could get to be the next starting quarterback. Now, I'm going to give you three names. Two of them are probably pipe dreams, and then I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, Garoppolo. Uh, don't know if that could happen, but if it did, I think Garoppolo would fit in very well here in Las Vegas. That's number one. Number two, probably a pipe dream, but I do think there's a small chance. I don't mean to sound like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber, but I do think there's a chance. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Now, listen, he would love to be reunited with with, with Devontae Adams. He is not happy in Green Bay. We all know mm-hmm. that. He seems to be that uh, would be a Vegas guy. You got veterans on this team. Probably not going to re-sign Josh Jacobs. We could talk about that. But I could see Aaron Rodgers being interested in this job if the contract made sense. Maybe it's a pipe dream. And then the third, you know exactly who I'm going to name, Tom Brady. He just bought who? Tom Brady, my friend. <laughs> he just bought property in, in Summerlin next yeah, to his yeah, uh, buddy yeah. Mark Wahlberg. Now, could that be a coincidence? Could it be possible that he just, as a bachelor, wants to live here a few months out of the year? Very possible. He's got a lot of money. He could buy a 100 homes anywhere if he wanted to. But it makes sense to me because maybe his last year or two as a bachelor, that's got something to do with it. He's not sure. happy in Tampa Bay. That's not a good situation for him right now. He's got the best receiver in football here, arguably. Mm-hmm. I think we can agree on that. He knows Josh McDaniels. I know they haven't had the best relationship, but here's the thing. They won together. Do you think any of those three names are plausible? I do. Listen, and I I, I don't th- I think the 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 least probable one is Aaron Rodgers just because of the system. So, we'll start with Brady. So, Brady, I know a lot of people think he's washed and all this kind of stuff, but look, the team around him crumbled, okay? And um so so yes, he's got to take responsibility for his own performance, but also he doesn't have the weapons that uh he did it, it last year with that with that defense and with the offense too. He was just able to walk into a great situation for him in Las Vegas. 
I could see the possibility of Tom Brady in the silver and black if the team goes out and does certain things. Number one would be to bolster the offensive line. Number two would be going out and making big strides on the defense to where he says, okay, this team has now done enough where I believe with me at the helm, I can lead them to the playoffs and deepen the playoffs. So, so I think there's a lot of ifs there. Uh, to make Tom Brady happen. The Jimmy Garoppolo is, is one. He's, he's going to be a free agent. Uh, and he is a guy who knows the system. He knows Josh McDaniels. He could come in here very easily and be a bridge guy. Cause I do think, Brian, that the Raiders will draft. Now, look, if they lose these next two games, which is a distinct possibility, the, the 49ers defense is, is the best in the league. Uh, they're number three seed in the NFC. Yes, but they're, they're playing really good ball. Kansas City's defense more middle of the road, but that offense is uh, just crazy. So I think the Raiders could lose too. They could, they could end up finishing at five or six in the draft, which would make it very easy for them to get that rookie quarterback and even move up a spot if they had to. So, so I think they're going to do both. I think they're going to sign a veteran that knows McDaniel's system. So you talk about Garoppolo Brady. Another name not very popular that my co-host Mo Moten brought up on our show because of the system and because I think you could get him cheap, and I know people are going to cringe, is Mac Jones from New England. <laughs> another guy. Yeah, you bring in another quarterback. I'm not saying he's great. He played great last year under Josh McDaniels. We know that. So, so I, But I do think that they're going to get both. I think you're going to see two quarterbacks come in here unless Jarrett Stidham goes out and just blows people away and is 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 a rock star like Brock Purdy, which in two games I don't think we'll see. Um, I think they're going to do that. But I do think one of those guys that's familiar with the system would be a good move for this team, even if they do draft a rookie high in the first round. All right, Goal, you know this team better than anybody. Uh, if you had to tell me right now, yep. game one, regular season, Raiders next year, who is the starting quarterback if you had to guess? Boy, that's it's a really tough one because it's so early. But I'm I'm gonna say the highest percentage chance would be Garoppolo. I like it. I think you, I think you can get him relatively cheap, knowing that he's gonna be a guy you're gonna count on for two years. He led a team to a Super Bowl. Uh, yes, I know they had the surrounding cast, but if the Raiders improve all the way around and you have Jimmy Garoppolo there, the only issue with Jimmy Garoppolo is injury. He doesn't stay healthy, so that's the only concern I would have with him. But I think as a guy for two years. Uh, or maybe even one. If you get the, if you get CJ Stroud or Will Levis or Bryce Young and these guys come in and they are what people think they can be, you might not need a guy more than a year. You might not even need the guy the whole year. If, if one of those guys gets hurt and the rookie comes in and lights it up, which can happen. I'm not saying it's gonna, but it does. Sure. Um, then suddenly, you know, you're in the best of both worlds because you have a veteran there to start or to back up. And then you have the young rookie who's going to be your, your quarterback for the next, uh, you know, five to eight to 10 years. And oh, by the way, Brian, the most valuable thing in the NFL is a franchise quarterback on a rookie contract. And that's why I love the Tom Brady thing. I think the Tom, I, I agree with you, by the way. I think Garoppolo is probably the favorite right now that could change. I think Tom Brady's right behind him. I really do. Uh, you can, and by the way, it as you sense. know, I get it. Yeah. And that deal could have happened several years ago when Gruden was here, right? Several years <laughs> yeah. back. You know, that whole situation, uh, with Dana White. Brady was ready to pack his bags when he was married, by the way, ready to pack yeah. his bags and come out here. And, and the reason why Brady wasn't here and is not here now is because of one guy, John Gruden. OK, yeah. say what you want about John Gruden. That was a mistake. I don't know what John Gruden's allegiance was with Derek Carr, but he loved the guy. Uh, 
sorry, man, but we would have been better off with Brady. <laughs> and I, and it makes so much sense to me to get uh, Brady here. Maybe he has a year. Yeah. Maybe he has two years. The guy looks like he's 30 years old. He's not the quarterback. Obviously, he once was. But I would take Tom Brady right now over Derek Carr in a heartbeat. Um sure. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But a big name on the Raiders, as you know, Gully, a big part of this team. I love him. Josh Jacobs. He was very, very outspoken, rightfully so. But we haven't seen that side of Josh Jacobs after the Pittsburgh loss. He was pissed off. He was swearing. He was angry. Basically, in a nutshell, what he basically said was, we're all putting the work in. I'm busting my ass. I think that's what he said. And we're all busting our ass. But we're not seeing the results. And I'm sick and tired of it. Very frustrated Josh Jacobs. Is there any chance that they they re-sign Josh Jacobs and he's in uh, the silver and black next year, you think? What are the odds here? I think the odds went up with the car decision, frankly, because I think if you're going to save the money that you were going to pay Derek Carr next year, uh, you're going to have to pay him $5 million if he walks away. Or if you trade, you get draft capital and you're off the hook for the contract. I think the opportunity to sign Josh Jacobs, if he's willing to to take 12 or 13 million um is pretty high. I I really do. And if you saw what he said yesterday, it was very very interesting, you know, and you know Brian, you got to sometimes read between the lines what guys say because a lot of what Raider Nation seems to be nervous about is a lot of them believe that people won't want to play for the Raiders because of what happened with Derek Carr, which I think is is really overplayed. It's an emotional appeal by a fan and I get it and that's totally fine, but Josh Jacobs yesterday, when they asked him about it, they said, hey, well, what, what are we supposed to do? We go out, we do our job. And then they asked him about, hey, do you want to come back and play here? And he says, yeah, I've said I wanted to play here. I want to be a Raider. So, yeah. so I, I'm paraphrasing. So the idea that he just found out that the quarterback is going to be gone, he still wants to stay. That's what he said. Um, and he said it wasn't about money, which, you know, is not a great negotiating tactic. But still, I think I think they could get to the situation where they're able to pay him uh, depending what they have to do at qu- the quarterback position, if, if they sign a veteran for less money who's willing to come, like a Brady or somebody like that, who's willing to come, or a Garoppolo who might cost you 15, 16 million a year versus 40, um, then they'll have money to sign them. And I think they could do that. It would be smart from a PR perspective, too, because you're losing a big name. Uh, depending if you, if you bring in a, a big name at quarterback, then that could solve a lot of things, too. But yeah, I, I think the chances went up. Uh, but I also think the chance is they could walk away from him because as good as he's been, Brian, it's the NFL and running backs just don't have the same value they had back when you and I were growing up. That That is very true. If you're just telling us, he is Scott Gobertson Gully, as we call him, uh, Silver and Black Podcast, uh, one of the best around uh, Raider insider. All right. So let's talk about this game this weekend. couple games left in the season. What what are we looking at here? I mean, obviously, there are a lot of big NFL games on the schedule the next couple of weeks with huge playoff ramifications. The, this is obviously not one of them. What are you looking from the Raiders this game? Just as a purist, as a Raider fan, what are you hoping to see besides, you know, hopefully maybe winning the game? But what do you what do you want to see in this game from the Raiders? Well, I, I'm interested just to see how they react to the car news, because, again, this is a guy who's been there nine years. He is the face of the franchise and now he's not going to be there he's not going to only not be there on the field but he's not even going to be in the in the stadium and so i'm interested to see how they come out and how they play now remember if the guys who are on the squad want to remain in las vegas want to remain a raider you're looking to see who plays hard to the end 
yes, the playoff chances are so minute, it's not even worth tracking. Right. But they still do have a chance. They have something to play for. And more than that, Brian, they have a chance to play for one another uh, and to stick around uh, in in Las Vegas. So so that's what I'm going to be looking for. I think from a competitive standpoint, it's going to be tough for the Raiders to keep up with the quarterback situation, with the defense, knowing that they lost Denzel Perriman, they lost Chandler Jones. Uh, they're still without Rocky Sin, although he, he I think he might come back. They're just they're just struggling on defense from an injury standpoint, and it's going to be tough against that 49er offense uh, with Kittle and with Brock Purdy, who's just lighting it up, and they're running the ball too. So it's going to be real difficult for them to keep up, but if they can keep up and be competitive, to me, that's what I want to say. I want to see the desire and the ability of these guys to to persevere through what has been a tough week for them, I'm sure. Win or loss, Scott, Josh McDaniels is probably going to be grilled after the game with Derek Carr questions. If you had to ask him a question right now, what would that question be? I'd go back to something you touched on earlier in our conversation, and that was, hey, hey, Josh, you know, you said the team wasn't playing offense at the level it needs to this time of the year. Why now? What was the? Why did you make the decision? Um, and with just two games left, knowing that playoff chances are very minute, you don't have a huge opportunity here. But why do that now? Was there a sense? Was it cl- completely a business decision, i.e., the contract, or was there something else at play? That's what I would ask. I, I think that's a that would be a really good question, and I and I hope uh, somebody does ask that question. But uh, we'll have to wait and see how this thing plays out. More Raider drama, right, Gully? It seems like we're always talking <laughs> about Raider drama, especially oh, yeah. uh, this time of the year, right? But uh, I guess we'll have to uh, wait and see what happens. Happens and uh, give me your prediction. What do you think happens uh, on Sunday? By the way, a lot of people are going to have, uh, I guess you could call it New Year's Eve hangovers, right? The game's 1 p.m. in Las Vegas. How much, uh, not to be graphic here, but how much vomit do you think will have to be cleaned up at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday? <laughs> oh, you know what? I had this conversation off the air with a couple other folks, too. Yeah, I think it's going to be raw. I mean, New Year's Day in Las Vegas, 1 o'clock, Raider Nation. Um, now, it might be a little more subdued because of of this week and what's happened. There's a lot of folks who love Derek Carr, and they're not real happy, and I understand that. Uh, but but I just think it's going to be tough for the Raiders to keep up. I, I like the 40. I mean, the line jumped yesterday. Before the news came out, which tells you, and you know this, Brian, uh, the how the, the the book always gets the word before the public does. The line went from what six to nine and a half yep. in like an hour. Yep. Um. And so, so I I like that. I think I think the 49ers will probably win this game pretty easily. Uh, the ten point spread. Yeah, I think it could be bigger than that. It could be as big as uh, uh three scores uh for for the 49ers. That's just gonna be tough for this Raider team to keep up. I tend to agree with you, and I don't see the players rallying and getting a win for Derek Carr. Uh, I don't see them rallying and getting a win for Josh McDaniels. This is not that kind of situation, right, Gully? I mean, this is this is <laughs> not a situation where the players rally and they're all pissed off, they're all angry. If anything, I'm not saying these guys don't are, are not professional. I'm not saying they're not <laughs> going to go out there and play hard. But what I am saying is, I don't see them going out there and let's get win win one for the skipper. This isn't one of yeah. those situations. This is more of we're pissed, we're angry, and we might not be focused. Yeah, and and it's just been a long season. Listen, the offense has not been able to stay on the field. The defense is 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 weary. It's hurt. Uh, and so that just all that mixture and 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 the emotions of 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 a guy being away from you that that was the leader of your team, yeah, it just points to all the wrong direction. Uh, but maybe they surprise. Who knows? You you never know. It is the old cross bay rivalry, and some of the guys on the team, even though they weren't there in Oakland at the time, there's a few left. Um, they understand it, and it's still important to the organization. So maybe they rally around that. I hope so. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Gully, you are the best, my friend. Give out that information. How do people uh, listen to your podcast, which is awesome? How do they follow you on social media? 
Yeah, they can find the podcast wherever they get podcasts. Uh, just look for Silver and Black today. Uh, we're an Odyssey original podcast. You can do it there. You can also find us on Twitter, SNB Today. I am at LV Gully. And uh, just, yeah, subscribe to the podcast. And, and we push the shows out there, too. And you can also check out uh, our YouTube channel, Silver and Black, today as well. Great stuff, my man. You you are one of the best in the biz as far as breaking down the Raiders and, and everything that's going on within the organization. There's a lot to talk about these days. Scott, always appreciate the time, my friend. You have a great weekend. Have a great New Year, you and your family. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Okay, buddy? You too, Brian. Happy New Year, my friend. Appreciate it. Happy New Year. Scott Galbernson, we call him Gully. And, uh, of course, used to be on the airwaves here uh, in Las Vegas. Then he decided to get a real job. Uh, Love Scott. He's the best. So good at what he does. And uh, breaking down what is Raider football. Boy, there's a lot of gossip. And isn't there a lot to talk about these days? Holy smokes. Speaking of a lot to talk about, a man that has a plethora of stories. I like to call him the man, the myth, the legend from Channel 8 Sports, the very own Ron Futrell will be joining us in studio next. We'll take a quick break and we will be back right after this. You are listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones, They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams and treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices 
office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. Best of Las Vegas winners each of the last two years. Glazed Donuts is a family business. Taste the passion and quality in each delectable handmade donut. Experience amazing fresh donuts at Glazed Donuts, located at 6545 South Fort Apache Road on the southwest corner of Sunset. Glaze is open every day from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. If you're interested in large orders, please call them at 702-246-2888. Follow Glaze on Facebook and Instagram, where they're showing off all their delicious treats. And check them out at glazedonutslv.com. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Thursday. I'm in a good mood. You know, I'm in a good mood because, you know, New Year's Eve around the corner. And uh, it's always fun in Las Vegas. I don't think there's any other place I'd rather be than in Las Vegas for New Year's Eve. And uh, we got some great sports coming up this weekend. I don't know if you'd call great uh, Raiders backup quarterback against San Francisco backup. But uh, we got a big UNLV basketball game on Saturday. They're playing San Diego State at 1 p.m. The Knights are at home at noon. I wish those games weren't at the same time. I'm going to have to pick and choose. I hate doing that. But what better person to talk about the local sports landscape we're not going to get into politics with Ron Futrell because we always yell. Wait, but, uh, I, uh, no, we can't do that. The I, man, we the do. Myth, the we legend. do yell. This is not the Ben Shapiro show. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you are. I've used that joke already. <laughs> it's, it's a bright. Don't compare me to that weasel. But, wow, you should no, be so fortunate. There are a few people that I disagree with on a lot of political issues, but I am still very good friends with them. We never take it personal. You're one of them. I would say Brett Raymer is another one. Oh, is that right? We yeah. can yell at each well, other, and then at the end of the day, we'll hug each other and say we love each other. In a very heterosexual way. <laughs> yeah, watch us, watch us play golf with each other sometime, and you'll see that. It's, it's like, fun playing golf with we're Ron, trying, too, We're going back and forth on this and that, and, and, and then, we're, then no. you're, you're kicking my butt on the golf course. <laughs> but one thing we do agree with, tell me if you, dis, if you disagree oh, with this. Oh, okay. 99% of the time, it appears as though we agree on anything and everything sports-related. Sport, yeah. Right? We, yes. And I don't know your take on the Derek Carr thing. I hope we disagree. We'll talk about it. I no. hope we disagree on this, because uh, <laughs> okay. it's more fun. All right. It's well, be, here's my take on Derek Carr. Better radio. He is not a top 10 quarterback. I don't even think he's a top 15 quarterback. He has had a terrible year. I don't put it all on him. I also put it on the play calling and the coaching. But uh, I'm very angry at Derek Carr, not just because he's performed like hell this year in a bad way, but because he's left the team. It is your Unless we learn that there is a personal situation with his family, somebody's sick, which is totally understandable, but I haven't heard that. You are still getting paid a lot of money. Your teammates have always backed you when you have sucked this year. And yet he says, I'm just going to go home with my football. That is a character issue. And I am very, very disappointed in him. And I've always said Derek Carr's a good guy. He's a good family man. He's a religious man. I've never said anything personal until now. This is BS. He should be with this team. He better be on that sideline because he's still getting paid. And it's to me, you're being a bad teammate when you do this. What are your thoughts? Okay, I'm glad we disagree on some stuff here. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> but for, first of all, this is no way to treat Derek Carr after nine years um, in the NFL with the Raiders. Always dedicated to the Raiders. Talking about always wants to be a Raider. Always uh, the Raiders are his team, and he wants to stay there throughout his whole career. You remember all those uh, interviews? I'll, I'll get to him the, the leaving the team part. Because I, I believe that was more mutual than just Derek Carr saying, I'm out of here. Um, and he, his explanation was, I would be a distraction to the team, which I think he would be 
quite frankly, that you don't need him there at practice. He, he's just there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Josh McDaniels, we don't know this, might have said, you know what, you, you don't really need to come back. There's no need. Let's just go ahead and mutually split now, which he did. He split. He left. You think Josh um, McDaniels said that? I don't know. I don't know that he didn't. All right, listen. I, I don't if, know. That, I'm if not Josh McDaniels said that, then that's one thing. I, I'm assuming right, he right. didn't say that. Okay, let's let's even say he didn't. Yeah. Still, the politics of this situation, now the politics stink with all of this and what's going on here with the Raiders. Certainly, as soon as you heard Derek Carr was benched, we knew Derek Carr was done. Yeah. With the team, that's not. He's not getting benched for a couple of games, and then they're looking forward to next season with him back. Okay, in but Ron, here's blah, blah, blah. where I disagree. Uh, I, I, I disagree here. I agree with what you said so far, but whether you're benched or not, you're still getting paid. You're still on contract. Don't isn't it your duty to be a good teammate? Forget about the coaching situation and the politics. These teammates have stuck by him your best friend is out there in Devonte adams the guys that you went to war with isn't it your duty to wear that jersey for if not the coaching staff and the fans for your teammates and be a good teammate i disagree with you i don't think he should be at home i'll make the argument that the best thing he could do is leave why because he would be a distraction out there why that they jared stedham goes out and throws a pick or two or struggles and sucks. And Derek Carr, number four, is sitting there on the sidelines and his teammates That's are on going. That's the coaching staff. His teammates then are going, um, why the hell are you out there? Well, we know why he's not out there is because they don't want him to get hurt and have it cost them an additional $35 million more than the, the, the five, and I'm rounding those numbers up, the $5 million they're going to have to pay him uh, uh, by February 15th. So, no, I think he would be a distraction. I think he, at practice, he would be a distraction. In the locker room, he's a, he's a distraction. This is, I can't believe I'm saying this. This is Jared Stidham's team. Uh, <laughs> I, maybe, I, 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 I can't might, believe you're saying that either. I might want Jason Statham instead of Jared Stidham. Let's go. This is Jason Statham's team. And, and he needs to take that team <laughs> and make something good happen because I've seen his movies and that dude's tough, man. He makes okay. stuff happen. So listen, I okay. get, I get your point. Okay, I think you can make that argument, and you did eloquently. I, I get your point. I think where we disagree is you talk about Derek Carr, the great teammate. Uh, if, if it's a distraction, then those players are unprofessional because it shouldn't be a distraction. You're going out there to do your job. Uh, I think from a fan's perspective, you want to see Derek Carr at least out there on the sidelines. Uh, I understand the Raiders' position. By the way, I think it was the right decision. I don't think he's been mistreated. I disagree with you there as well. He has had every opportunity to succeed with the Raiders. I understand he's had multiple different coaches. The man hasn't won a playoff game. He doesn't seem to win games when it really matters. He has had a horrible year. He's had every opportunity, and he has failed. He has failed as a man with a $120 million contract. He is overpaid. Is he still an above-average quarterback? Sure. I think we would both agree on yeah, that. Yeah, I'm going to put him in 12, somewhere around yeah. there. I don't know if he's top after 10. This year, after okay. this year, I don't know Let's about go. that. But this is a guy who, this is a guy who, you mentioned multiple coaches. He's yes. had six and nine seasons. <laughs> he's had six and nine seasons. Josh, he was throwing, he was completing 68% of his passes Throughout his career, up until this season, Josh McDaniels comes in. He's now completing 60, 60% of his passes. So Josh McDaniels has taken, he, he, he's taken Derek Carr, a pretty good quarterback. And last year, I would say top 10 and maybe over his career, top 10 quarterback. 
and he has taken him and made him worse, which I'm putting more of this on Josh McDaniels than I am putting it on Derek Don't disagree. Don't Uh, disagree with you at all. This is where we agree. A lot of this responsibility also needs to go on Josh McDaniels. Ron, I couldn't agree with you more, but you know why it's not? Because the owner of this team, Mark Davis, is not going to fire him. Oh, no. So I got you. He's I doing a fantastic you. job. In fact, I'm, I'm even going to go. <laughs> not only not fired him, he's doing a fantastic job. I'm even going to go a step further, yeah. and oh, I'm going to okay. ask you this question. If you had the choice right now, get rid of Derek Carr or Josh McDaniels, which would it be? Both. Uh, that, that that wasn't my. That's not fair. That's not my question. I agree with you. No, I agree with you. If we had to, but if you had to choose one or the other, which one would you choose? Um, you would you would have to choose Derek Carr, and here's why: because he's been there longer. He's had more opportunity. And one year is you can argue Denver Broncos won't argue this, but but you got to have your get your coach more than one year to be able to try and put a system in there. Fair enough. I'm not I'm not convinced Josh McDaniels is going to be a long term solution. For the Raiders here, I think he created this problem. Oh, here's you want a conspiracy theory? You want a conspiracy? <laughs> Alex theory? Jones, here we go. Oh, let's go, baby. <laughs> this this one I'm going to put on Josh Jacobs is sort of inspired this conspiracy theory. Yep. And if you saw him after the game against the Steelers, when he is saying in no uncertain terms, "Why the hell are he used stronger words than that?" He's a little pissed off. Why aren't we running the ball more in the second half in a freezing cold? In a freezing cold Pittsburgh, good question. and they only ran the ball five times, I believe, in the second yeah. half, yeah. and they had Derek Carr throwing the ball like crazy, and he threw his picks. Okay, I'm I'm going. I'm, I'm with Josh Daniels on this one. Almost going conspiracy theory. <laughs> could could Raiders management? When I'm talking management, I'm talking from uh, Josh McDaniels on up. Said let's let's jack with Derek Carr a little bit and let's let's put him in a situation not a good cold weather quarterback uh, by any stretch uh, let's put him in this situation and let's see him fail and let's go what what happens Monday Tuesday morning next week which we're in now I know it's Thursday I don't think that's a conspiracy where, theory I think there's probably some truth to that yeah that that they yeah which 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 if it's true then they threw a game Josh McDaniel if uh, it's true they threw a game uh, listen uh, I I said that. And I shouldn't say I said it, but I asked that question two months ago. And they threw the game to save $35 million. Now, you could argue that's a good thing. Okay, you're going to save money. Because now, okay, uh, and, and the good, the positive side of getting rid of Derek Carr, because, again, make no doubt about it, this is, even though throughout all the news conference yesterday, it was um, Josh McDaniel saying, we want to give, you know, um, you know, um, we want, um, you know, um, we, um, um, you know, um, we want to give, um, you know, um, you, we want to, um, you know, give J- J- uh, Jason Statham uh, right. a, a chance. It's all, it's all bull It is crap. Jason Statham, right? Is it, um, <laughs> Isn't there an actor named Jason Statham? Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. Pretty good actor, yeah. man. Had some good movies. Yeah. Um, so we want him to play quarterback, and this is about giving him the opportunity. Well, Five percent, ten percent of it is about giving Jared Stidham the chance to play quarterback for the Raiders. Ninety, ninety-five percent of this is about saving thirty-five million dollars, so the Raiders have the money, perhaps, to keep Josh Jacobs next year because that that would sort of be nice. You think they re-sign Josh Jacobs? Oh, they would love to. So I, I just think had Scott. They Goldberg's. would love to re-sign him, but I don't know if I'm Josh Jacobs. I'm saying screw you. I'm going somewhere that's, else. See, that's and a making concern. a ton so of money. So we just had Gully Scott Goldberson on. You know him, great guy. Scott, and, and how's he, he doing, man? He's doing great. Is he loving life? And he he's is. in Ohio. Yeah, he is. He's doing very well. Bless so him. we just talked about this very issue and he made a good point well there's a better chance they re-sign josh jacobs now because of salary cap space assuming they get rid of Derek carr which they will but yeah, you yeah, just yeah, that's, but that's you done. just but you just made a good point on the other side of it josh jacobs is pissed off and yeah. he's frustrated oh, no, does he's, he really want to re-sign with the raiders and he's he's going to make 
he's big free agent money this year. He's the biggest free agent running back yeah. this year with the NFL. Year. Unbelievable uh, year. And so yeah, he's going to lead the league in rushing. Um, and he's going to be able to go out there, test himself in the free agent waters. I don't blame him if he does. Yeah. This team is going to look a lot different next year than it looks now. And they're going to make a change at quarterback. Now, let's go to the, back to the um, quarterback thing, or as you say, quarterback. 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 Um, I'm, I made fun of that a lot on social media, by the way. I really am. <laughs> good, good for them. Yep. Um, because it's it's East Coast Connecticut stuff and uh, and bless you. Yep. Um, for coming out west here and being brave enough to come out here and say quarterback. Um, <laughs> but that beats that beats because we us on the West Coast we're the ones who really know how to speak, of course. <laughs> right? Is that yeah? Okay, it's yeah. L A stuff. Talk like an L A person, you <laughs> yeah. know. Um, um, you know. Um, uh, anyway, uh, what, where we're going with this? With the thirty-five million, where are they going to go with quarterback next year? Is the other question because they are going to have a they are going to have a blank spot at quarterback next year, so they're going to have more money to go out there and get somebody. And every quarterback that you mention is going to have advantages and disadvantages. Uh, I, and I again, I haven't heard your take on this, and I don't, haven't watched a whole lot of social media. I I put Jimmy Garoppolo at the top of that list. We just talked about that. Yeah. Uh, that that that's going to be number one on their list of because he's worked with him in New England. And there, they do have quarterbacks. Um, that's New England. Quarterbacks. Right? Right? Pronounce they it park right. Quarterbacks. They park their car. Um, they do have those. And Mark, Mark Wahlberg would like to see him here. Okay? There, there's another one, right? There's, he would. Uh, so he's going to be playing for a coach that he knows. Yep. San Francisco has three quarterbacks. They don't need <laughs> – they right. only need one. Correct. They got three of them now. Mr. Irrelevant. Brock Purdy, we're going to get to see him here in town yep. this weekend. So – I put him at the top of the list. I don't know what I'd put number two. Is Aaron Rodgers a possibility? That's oh, there's this guy named Devontae that he's had a pretty good career with. He's so the three that I mentioned were Garoppolo, Rodgers, and Tom Brady. Uh, you know, Mac Jones was somebody that uh, Gully brought up. Uh, I don't want to see Mac Jones here. No, but, I don't. Uh, yeah, just because I think yeah. Garoppolo is definitely the favorite. I think Tom Brady is right behind him. I I don't see any reason why Brady wouldn't want to come here. Aaron Rodgers could be a long shot, but he gets reunited with Devontae Adams. Uh, I think Rodgers would certainly, if the contract was right, wouldn't have a problem playing in the silver right. and black either. Well, they've also got a, co- a couple of quarterbacks in L.A. Uh, they do. Again, yeah. uh, you're talking about Stafford coming back from that concussion that he had last year. Baker Mayfield has looked okay. I mean, you know. Baker Mayfield playing in Vegas. <laughs> he wow. The, he beat the Raiders, and they were able to beat Denver, a, a dying Denver team. Don't, I don't think they that would be a to, good sign. Used to have a good defense. No, that's probably not a good sign. But if yeah. if they spot somebody they like that they think they can work with and improve, and maybe Jared Stidham is the guy. Maybe he shows up these two games and does some remarkable things and people go uh, they're going to have a draft pick that's going to be around 10 or 11 there's a few quarterbacks quarterbacks out there <laughs> that they can <laughs> that they can pick uh, you know they're not going to get the mountaintop at USC they're not going to be able to go that high but there, there's some options out there for them now there that are. they've got the 35. But they got to make a decision they, soon, and I think they – I would say – here's what I think. I hope they've already made it. I, I hope think they they've have. already worked. Here's I, what I was going to say. I, I'm not when keen they, on Tom Brady. When they got way. off to the horrible start the first five, six weeks of the season, you remember, the, remember Josh McDaniels was having closed-door meetings uh, with Mark Davis? I believe they spoke about this very issue, and they knew early in the season – that Derek Carr was not their guy, and they were going to wheel and deal him at the end of the year. Do you agree with me? I think they oh, knew they were doing this early. Yes, which yeah. leads even better to my conspiracy theory, and I'll call it the spawned by Josh Jacobs <laughs> conspiracy theory at the second half at Pittsburgh was yeah. we're, we're going to um, we're going to take you down, and here's how we 
take right. you down. Right. And for the long term, it's better off for the Raiders. Knowing that Derek Carr had signed that contract, that guaranteed contract that was, what, 130 million in that range, some 120? 140. 140 was yeah. one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, where he'd signed this contract that had the big second year option for the Raiders to bow out of it. And they're right. taking that option now and they're bowing out of it. And they're going to have some money to be able to wheel and deal. Tom Brady, and Tom Brady's time has passed uh, as for coming to Vegas. Now, if, if, if you've, you've got a, a guy over there who runs the USC right now that's going to say, wait a second, Dana White wants him to come here and wanted him to come here when yep. John Gruden was here. And John Gruden put an end to that. Mark Davis wanted it to happen. So wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me? I don't know what tampering and illegal blah 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 stuff is, but let's say they all tamper and do illegal stuff all the time. That somewhere there's been a conversation where the two have met in a room. They did have <laughs> Dana White did arrange a meeting between the two where they met in a room uh, yes, back when Gruden true. was coach to try to get him here true. back then. But I think I think Brady's time has passed. Here's and here's why you're going to have. Well, uh, if you take that thirty five million, you, you sign a Tom Brady, you, you get an offensive line. They they need to upgrade their offensive line. They got some guys working hard, doing some good things there. But they got to step that up for a Tom Brady. That's been part of Derek Carr's problem this year. Has been an offensive line that's been ineffective, and he's not a scrambling quarterback. Baker Mayfield's more mobile out of the pocket. Zach Wilson more mobile out of the pocket. I don't like Wilson or Mayfield. I, I, I don't either. No. I mean, I can see negatives with both of them. But but starting Rodgers would be a slam dunk. That would be a touchdown, would, so to the speak. The top two that we mentioned right there would be a. Would I think be Garoppolo. A, I think Garoppolo would be a nice sign. Uh, he's very. He, this is a guy who made it to the Super Bowl. He obviously is still very capable. One playoff games. Yes. He's now they've won. had a great defense. They, they've got the number one defense in the NFL this year. They give up fifteen point three points per game. They are rocking. And right he's, now you know, the ladies Francisco. would like that signing. He's the a pretty boy, right? Would love. <laughs> yeah, I sat next to Garoppolo. Uh, this was a couple years ago, um, at a. Uh, Golden Knights Thrashers game. I'm sitting up there in Hyde, and uh, all of a sudden it's Garoppolo and, and Kelsey and these guys. They're uh, they're sitting next to me, and I I talked to him a little bit. He's 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 a bit aloof, but we were talking a little bit about his Thrashers. That's where he grew up, and uh, so we were talking a little hockey. He didn't really want to talk about anything else, which I understand. Uh, okay. A little 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 strange, little aloof guy, but. Uh, uh, I will say this, the conversation the entire game that these 49er players were having with Garoppolo, because I could hear basically everything they were saying, it was all about getting laid. That's all they were talking about. That and hockey. Guys? Yeah, yeah. Talking about <laughs> single guys? Talking about getting... No. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what that they were doing. That is repulsive. To, Can that, you believe it, Ron? Think, it's think a shocker, right? one second well, that maybe, that would even be on their mind whether they're a nightclub in vegas maybe if garoppolo gets signed you could go take him to little darlings huh? maybe you could do that <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm gonna guess garoppolo didn't have a very hard time they don't even have probably to talk not. about that it's probably not maybe. but uh anyway we'll wait and see what happens i love the idea of possibly getting tom brady just because a year or two he's here and i think he can win right away i think he's still good enough and uh, he's had a bad year most of that not his fault I like the idea of drafting a young quarterback, let Brady play here for a year or two, show him the ropes. I think that would work out great. Even though Brady and Josh McDaniels had their issues, they still won together. Uh, I think that's a positive. So we'll and, have to wait and see what happens. And I don't, don't know. Don't. Jared Stidham may be an option here. As crazy as that sounds, I can't believe I'm saying that, but he was a pretty good college quarterback in the sense that he played at Baylor, played at Auburn. While he was at Auburn, he beat Georgia and Alabama. Yep. Those yep. are pretty good programs. So in the colleges, that's, that's true. He's never had a chance to start. We have seen we have seen a guy who is the number 
266 pick lead San Francisco in Brock Purdy the last few games. We've seen quarterbacks come out of nowhere and do some, some solid things. Yeah, sure. But okay, that, that's, a, that's a long shot. I hope they have a plan and they have to. When they, when they mapped all this out, okay, let's, and I, I, I agree with you that at some point, if it wasn't week four or week five, it was week 12 at least. By then, that they sat I think in a they room knew earlier. That, yeah. yeah, that they sat in a room and said, "Okay, Derek Carr is not a long time term solution. We got we got to get that thirty five million. How do we do that? How do we make that happen?" It was interesting that you look at Derek Carr in his press conferences. He was very careful in something he said in just about every press conference where they're coming off a loss, where he would say. I'm throwing the ball right where Josh wants me to throw the ball. I'm putting it right where Josh wants me to put it. All I care about is putting it right where he wants me to put it. I'm getting the ball right where he 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 made. I've never heard a quarter. Uh, you got me going quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my head. I might use that on air tonight. I'm, uh, just, you should just for fun. You should. Um, and so so he he's been using that phrase though quite often. He used it all year long. He's used it like he like he's putting it back on the coach saying. Right. I'm doing what he wants me to do, and if it's not working, look back at him. There are some issues between those two guys. There certainly is this week, but I think those issues started much sooner between Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels, and that's that has led to this, and now the saving of $35 million. Derek Carr, let's, let's go for a second with Derek Carr, by the way, and I, I just think he deserved better than this unceremonious benching Maybe, happened. I think he deserved more because of what he did for the Raiders all these years. And It's hard and again, for me to feel bad got, for a guy that's making this kind of money, he's though, a Ron. Three, he's a three... No, no. Okay, that's that's all I mean, relative, but yes. I mean, uh, he's guys, made three Pro Bowls. Again, six coaches in nine years. He was a 68% completion percentage before Josh McDaniels got here. He now is at 60 so this is like Josh uh, McDaniels creating the problem and then solving the problem and saying Derek Carr is the problem. Uh, part, partly but that. But, Ron, the guys never won a playoff game. He's never really yes. won a game that really, They've really They've only been mattered. to the playoffs twice. The first one he was injured uh, in 2016. I don't think he's as clutch as people say no, no, he is. I, I don't think so either. No, I agree with you. Yeah. But but you better have something better. And I and they hopefully, they better. for the Raiders... They've already had these conversations again, of whether they're uh, illegal Ron, or not. I get, uh, they probably I, are. I, I just, I just, when you, a lot of fans are echoing what you say. Oh, I don't like the way they've treated Derek Carr. He has made massive amounts of money. I know you said it's all relative, but he has been taken care of financially. Uh, they have backed him this whole time. It's now time for a change. I agree with this decision. You can argue that maybe something happened behind closed doors that was disrespectful. I don't know. What I do know is this is the right decision. There's no reason why Derek Carr should be out there. Right, risk, risk getting him hurt. The writing was on the wall anyway. He's not returning next year. Why not just sit him out? I'd like to see him on the sidelines because I think that would be the right thing to do as a teammate. Uh, but we don't know all the intricacies of this. I get it. It could have been Derek Carr that, and, and somebody needs to ask Josh McDaniels this after the game. Was it Derek Carr that went to you that said, I don't want to be a part here. I don't want to be a distraction. Or was it you that said that to him? Was it a mutual thing? I, I would like to know that. Okay, let me go here. I, here's uh, Knowing Derek Carr's personality and knowing what he's like, the conversation may have been at some point, what do you think? Should I even be here on the team for these last two weeks? Do you want me? What if, what if he said to Josh McDaniels, do you want me here? I mean, what, what is that going to cause? And what, is that going to mean during a game? And Josh McDaniels might have reacted to that with a, you know what? Um, no, it's, it's okay if you don't, if, if you don't show up. 
Okay, I, I don't know. I want to hear that uh, whether that conversation happens, and at some point we'll find out. He'll, he'll, Wouldn't I hope Derek Carr at that point well, say, "I want to be here for my teammates"? I, I know well, your argument, and you think it's a distraction and all that, but if you're a professional athlete, uh, you want to be there for your teammates, and your teammates need to be professional. He's about not it doing well. anything. He's not there for the team. What's he doing? Rah rah rah, standing on the sidelines cheering. Well, uh, what, what do what do people on the bench do? What does the tenth, eleventh, twelfth man on an NBA bench well, do? That's starting, what they do. Yeah, you're starting quarterback on the bench. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. I see Let's it as here. someone that's injured. If you're an injured player on the, I'll, I'll talk about your Lakers, Anthony Davis, LeBron, whenever, whenever they're not playing, you know, be a good teammate. I disown the Lakers, by the way. Is oh, that okay? Get you. So you're a Celtics fan now. Is that what you're telling me? I am more of a, yes, I do, I, I do like an anus cantor freedom. Yes. Um, I do like him. Yeah. There's a Celtics player I could really like. I like cantor. Let's, let's go here. Um, I think this is best for Derek Carr. And we haven't discussed this. I think this is best for Derek Carr. He's going to land on his feet somewhere, and he's maybe with something that will light up the rest of his career, and he'll make a lot more money Perhaps. in the second half of his career with another team, and, and we'll see him shine. I hope so. I'd like to see him go somewhere and succeed next year. I don't know where. I have no idea. But there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. There are a lot, <laughs> a lot of, of teams, teams that need quarterbacks. What do you want to see from this? Before we take a break, Ron, what, what do you want to see from this team this weekend? I mean, if oh, anything, boy. what do you want to see? What do you expect to see? <laughs> what I expect to see, what I want uh, to see are two different things. Um they're not going to score a lot of points against San Francisco. This again, like I said, number one defense in the league. Oh, here's what I'd like to see. Watch Josh Jacobs this weekend closely. San Francisco gives up only 75 yards a game on the ground. They are number one in the NFL in total yards given up, the fewest, and in rushing yards, the fewest. And I, I want to see how Josh Jacobs can do against the best rushing defense in the league. That'll be interesting to me. I think so. And to see what Jason Statham <laughs> can do at quarterback. How many uh, hungover people will be in Allegiant Stadium oh on Sunday? No. Hungover, yes. Here's the other part that concerns me, and I'm, I'm talking to Metro now. You, cops that are out there, listen up. Twenty. This was a This was a rivalry that was banned by the NFL in 2011 because there were riots. Riots in the stands, in the parking lots. There were knifings. There were shootings. There would get people knocked unconscious at a preseason game at Candlestick Park between the Oakland Raiders and the San Francisco Raiders. So the NFL said no more preseason games <laughs> between the Raiders and the Niners because of the battle in the Bay and the rivalry yeah. between the two teams and they don't get along. Uh, the players were fighting on the field. I want to see love at home in Allegiant Stadium. I want to see peace and togetherness between these two teams. I hope there's, I hope though, there's that's extra, there's not going to happen. There better be extra security. What do you there. think of that, that uh, off, Patriots New fan? You know that story of the Patriots? Yes. I had him on the other day, oh, by the way. Uh, and then Kraft invites him to New England. I thought that was classy of him to do that. Who, that but woman. Gal, I, I'd like to find that chick. I would too. I think it was I, Michelle Fiore. You think it was? Yeah. It's hard to uh, see her face, but. Yeah, Lauren um, Bobert. I, who are, <laughs> they would not have done that. Very classic. They, yes. they would have guns. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, probably right about that. <laughs> so no, but but I, no, I'm so glad to see the way he reacted. I said I was never more embarrassed. Well, I'm, he's a great guy, by the way. I had him on for half well, an hour. Good for you for having uh, him on. Kraft, uh, you know, invited him to the game. They're sitting in his suite, and he Kraft hands over the phone and he talks to Jay Z. Uh, I, I just think that guy. That's a great story. Uh, Raiders fans, no fan should ever uh, act like that, and it's it's despicable. It's disgusting. I give the Raiders credit for. Reaching out to him as well. No, reaching out to him that and apologizing yes. on behalf of her. I mean, just, if you've seen the video, you know what we're talking about.
talking about some sure, lady sure. that was yelling yep. just in the face at, at the end of a right? Patriots game, and he stood there calmly, terrible, and just looking at the well, field. Now he could. <laughs> Again, it was if it was two dudes doing that, it might have been a different outcome. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to speak, but probably. But it was a lady who was yeah. doing it, and so he, he handled it perfectly. He handled it perfectly. Yeah, he really and just did. looked straight ahead. He really didn't did. even really acknowledge she was there, but she was there and she yep. was loud. Uh, I hope I mentioned Dana White already. It'd be nice to see Dana White get him out here for a UFC thing. That'd be cool. A Patriots fan, yeah. Patriots fan. Uh, he deserves again, it. This is yes, yeah, he absolutely deserves honor it. a fan that does that. He deserves. We it. need to, and it was good Agree to have him. And he's coming to the Pro Bowl. He told me he uh, that's oh. the game that he chose. So maybe okay. you can catch up. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, no. he's coming out to. I'll give you his information. Dude, he's, he's coming out to the, to the uh, Pro Bowl, and he's taking the Raiders up on that. And I find it interesting. He's not choosing a Raiders game. He's going to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> well, he's but safe. I think uh, I think that's pretty cool. All right, so here's what we're gonna do, Mr. Ron Futrell, the man, the myth, the legend, Channel Eight Sports. He's a busy man, uh, but he's gonna be sticking around for another segment. Ron is anchoring Channel Eight Sports tonight. Ron, we got a lot more to get to. We got to the Raiders stuff. Uh, what about UNLV basketball? That was a tough loss last night. We'll get to that. VGK losing to one of the worst hockey. Mm-hmm teams in the league last night and then i want to get some ron futrell stories he's such a good storyteller he's been in this town much longer than me even and i know he's got some new year's eve stories to tell so uh we will share some uh, ron futrell new year's eve stories uh out and about uh we'll do that when we come back we'll take a quick break we'll be back right after this you're listening to pushing the limits right here on kshp Hey everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes and more. 
They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. Experience the Artisan Hotel's theme suites, restaurant, bar, pool, and complimentary valet. During the week, the Artisan is a quiet Las Vegas retreat that's great for travelers and locals. The weekend is all about nonstop partying and the award-winning Artisan nightlife. All rooms include free gym access and Wi-Fi. The Artisan Hotel is centrally located between the Strip and downtown Las Vegas. Book your stay at artisanhotel.com. The Artisan Hotel, your unique Las Vegas boutique hotel. The best choice for convenience, comfort, and value, My Place Hotels are ideal for both short-term and long-term travelers. The rooms at My Place features pillow top mattresses, microfiber bedding, and a variety of soft and firm pillows. All extended stay rooms offer their own kitchen, which includes a full-size refrigerator and a cooktop. On-site laundry facilities are also available for extended stays at pet-friendly My Place Hotels. Book your stays online at MyPlaceHotels.com, My Place Hotels, St. George, and West Jordan, Utah. Make My Place your place. All right, welcome back. It is uh, Pushing the Limits on a Thursday. We got Ron Futrell, Channel 8 Sports in Studio. We were just talking some Raiders action. Uh, want to tell you guys, it, listen, we want everybody to be safe for New Year's Eve, but some people might get a little sick. They might drink a little bit too much. Who knows what the situation is? That's why Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care is the place to be at. 6125 West Sahara Avenue. If you're not feeling good, you have any issues, give them a call, 702-248-0554. You could also visit them online at saharawesturgentcare.com. Last time I was there, I was in and out in 20 minutes. Most of these places, hours and hours. Uh, yes, Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care, 20 minutes. Can you believe that? that? That's about the timing of how long some of my dates last, to be honest with you. But uh, give them a call. And by the way, they take most insurances. If you don't have insurance, they charge about 95 bucks. Uh, well, not about. That's exactly what they charge, actually. Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care. Check them out. All right, Mr. Futrell, let's get into a little bit of UNLV hoops. Uh, my one criticism of Kevin Kruger this year has been their lack of strength of schedule out of conference. It was not very good. Uh, with that being said, they've been playing some good basketball. They beat some decent teams, right? They beat Dayton when they were top 25. They beat Minnesota, uh, you know, uh, Washington, Washington State. State yeah. So, you know, these aren't really good basketball teams, but they're pretty good conferences and they're beating these teams in. So I was like, all right, this team's playing some really good defense. They go on the road against a bad San Jose State team. Now, San Jose State's still 9-4, and four, but they didn't beat anybody either. But they're, they're a better team than they were last year. But they're on the bottom of the barrel of the Mountain West Conference. I think we all could agree with that. A game you have to win if you want to compete to win the conference. I guarantee you the team that wins the Mountain West Conference this year, the regular season, will beat San Jose State twice. UNLV gets in there and they give up 41 points in the first half. Inexcusable for a team when you think they're defensive-minded as they are and Kevin's teams are. You can't give up 41 points. Your best offensive player, Harkless, cannot be scoreless in the first half. I give you an LB credit. You knew they'd come out in the second half and they'd play hard, and they did. They get the game to overtime. They weren't able to get it done. But what do you make of this loss? Because to me, this is it's problematic if you're if you're trying to win the conference. You can't lose a game like this. And I know it's only game one. I missed the game last night, so I didn't see it. 
Um, had had How another appointment. You? Had another appointment. So so How that being said, you? does San Jose uh, State still have that ugly court with the four big guys with the shields on? No, they do. No, that okay, that is the most hideous. Now let's go here. College basketball courts are getting uglier and uglier every day. They are, and they're trying hard to represent their city that they're in. And kind of like you and me. I just want to see that. Well, that definitely is happening. But we're aging. They're not, this this is by design, okay? <laughs> this is genetics that's just happening now and aging. That's true. This is by design that people have these ugly basketball courts. So they still have that thing with the four dudes. I, I It took me a whole half to figure out exactly what they were. And then I had to look up some pictures online to go, what is what, what are they doing? Okay, anyway, that being said, no, you you can't be losing to San Diego State, uh, no. San Jose State. They have San Diego State this weekend, but you can't. They're a horrible team, uh, and they're going to be at the bottom of the conference, and th- that's bad. Here, here's the problem with this. I'm going to agree with you on the scheduling, certainly, and what they need to have. What I would love to see them do. Every I've, this has been my complaint about the Rebels for for years is schedule a couple of games while while the to- Thomas and Mac is the. Uh, covered with dirt <laughs> inside for the rodeo, play some real, true road opponents in tough gyms and tough games against quality road opponents. They have not done that part, and that you could do. Instead, they played here. They played at, at arenas here and called them neutral court games, and Mountain West calls them uh, road game. Mountain West calls them road games, so they but can get a- they can get away they're with not. it. But they're not at the. MG- they played Hawaii, played the right? They played Hawaii over at in Henderson, right? At Henderson, yeah. at the I was out at that game, saw that. No, go. They need to go into some. Just go into Cal State Fullerton and play in that little cracker. Go go to Irvine and play the Ant Eaters in that pyramid that they've got there. A road place, but at least go there into some of those gyms. They they are not road tough when it comes to conference play. And we, I've seen it year after year after year with the Rebels, and it showed last night that they are not road tough playing in a gym of how tough can San Jose say? Well, they're they're tough when you when you're used to friendly confines of of stadiums that are either yours or close to home. That it doesn't matter. So that part thing, I would like to see that with scheduling with Kevin Kruger to do that more, but. I do like the direction the program's going overall. Uh, hopefully this game last night is a wake-up call for them because they have a big one on Saturday here at home, 1 o'clock. By the way, it's on CBS. It's on Channel National so CBS, it. not National. CBS Sports. You National. Can, no, you, you can watch it on 8 News Now, 1 o'clock. That's pretty cool. But but I'm going to say, I'm going to rebel, run and rebel fans, get out there to the game. Get out there. And by the way, I'm calling them the run and rebels again. I haven't for years. They're not really running a lot. They're not running a lot, but at least they're playing good defense and they're scoring some points off defense, and so that gets them running. This is uh, true. So, and they deserve that. Now, for years, I resisted and just called them the Rebels, and that was my own little personal boycott. Nobody knew it other than me, uh, but I'm, I'm back to calling them the Running Rebels now because I want to see them start running more and doing that, and I believe in Well, if- I think defense, le- this is a Lon Kruger-type team. Right? Yes. I mean, defense leads to offense. The problem I have and, and what I've said Besides their lack of out of conference schedule uh, being very strong, is that they're, at times they're going to struggle to score on the road, and they have to rely so much on their defense. And when you have your two best players offensively all round uh, struggle as they did, particularly in the first half, Harkless uh, was 
not good in the first half. He was scoreless, and and Gilbert uh, didn't do much in the first half either. Uh, they they woke up in the second half a little bit, and they played better defense. But you got to have your best players score, particularly on the road, man. You, you <laughs> and it just wasn't the case yesterday. The defensive intensity wasn't there in the first half. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. San Diego State though this weekend, right? This is a fun. No, game. fans show up out there. First of all, have a good crowd out there. That would be fun to see a big crowd out there for the Running Rebels. I know I want to promote that the game's going to be on on CBS and Channel Eight. So. But still, go on out there and check out the game and have some fun and get a big crowd out there. By the way, you and I are going to go. We, I want to mention this. Farewell. Rest in peace, Mark Warkentine. And yeah, I know he I wanna, was a friend of yours as well. Yes. Can we talk about that? I um, would love to. Yeah. What a great guy. So Mark and I uh, became friends uh, several years back. I know you've known him a lot longer than I have. Um, during the coaching searches and stuff, we have mutual friends that are coaches in the business and uh, Mark was always my guy to talk to uh, because he was very close to the boosters and still close to the athletic department, a former NBA assistant coach as well, not just under Jerry Tarkanian. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think uh, Mark would mind me saying this now, but um, he was one of my great sources of information when it came to UNLV. I mean, he told me a day before. He, he would. I'll speak for him. No, yeah. he wouldn't mind. He's no, he wouldn't mind. <laughs> uh, uh, when Marvin Menzies was fired, he told me 24 hours before anybody knew, even Marvin Menzies didn't even know. He said, Brian, just letting you know. Marvin's getting getting yanked tomorrow. So I put it on social media. I was the only person to uh, report it that early. And, and sure enough, he was right. Working teen, old school guy, phenomenal recruiter. He recruited most of the guys that won a national championship oh, yeah. at UNLV. He built that team. He was at UNLV from 81 to 87. Right. And then he, he also brought Lloyd Daniels here. And I, I'll still, I'll still argue that was a positive. I know there's old timers here that are going to say that was the worst thing ever and all the, the scandal and everything. Okay. Um, with, with Lloyd Daniels, but still you got to know Lloyd Daniels story. And I got to know Lloyd pretty well and got to know his story and it, it changes everything. But anyway, in, in light of that, he had to, he had to leave. Yep. He was forced out because of that. Um, but he did, yes, he did bring the team here that won the national championship very close to the rebel basketball program and everything yep. he did here. His, he's got two daughters. One of them is both of them are in, in the business. One of them worked at UNLV for years. Um, and so that was nice to see that then I, I like you, I kept in touch with him often in yep. the NBA. Yep. I love that team he built in Denver when he got George Carl brought him there and had him build a team. And it was former Rebels that were coaching that team. You had George Carl there. Tim Gergerich was Correct. his number one assistant. Yep. Stacey Ogman was an assistant. Yep. John Welsh, Rancho High School, Reno, and then played for the Rebels, yep. was also an assistant. Mm -hmm. He put together a running Rebel team in the NBA, and that team scored a bunch of points, and that's when he was NBA Executive of the, of the Year. Even better, though, than and you're you're bringing up all these wonderful accolades, which I agree with, is is the person he was, man. He was just honest and upfront. I played golf with him. At his age, he could still hit a golf ball, too. And yeah. uh, it's sad because I just talked to him a couple weeks ago. I just said, hey, Mark, how you doing? He sounded fine. I know he's had some health issues the last couple of years, and of course, his, his beautiful daughter was the team manager under dave rice if i'm yes. not mistaken and uh wonderful right. family and uh you know i talked to him a couple weeks ago everything seemed okay he just sounded like mark you know nonchalant just just cool laid back and we talked a little hoops we talked a little unlv basketball i said hey next time you're out here and you know let's play some golf and it was a short brief good mm -hmm. conversation and then all of a sudden i'm at the knights game um the other day and I get messages from people saying Mark is gone. And I said, Oh, you got to be kidding me. It's almost like you don't believe it. And I, uh, I called Mark's phone 
because I didn't believe it. And one of his family members picked up and said, yeah, it's true. It's just, it sucks, man. You know, and um, I know it's a cliche, right, Ron? But life is precious no, and you never know is. when it's over. And um, Mark I, was a great guy. I had a, couple, a few occasions, uh, maybe this a result of me getting old too, but a couple of times where there's, there's an SID that runs football over at UNLV. Mark Wallington is yes. his name. And I, on a couple of occasions, called Mark Warkentine, thinking I was calling Mark Wallington. That's funny, <laughs> and, No, because they're so close to each yeah. other on my phone, and I just look at the MW, and I'm, I'm might have been, it's driving. And, well, no, I wouldn't do that while I was driving. Um, but, and so he would, <laughs> and I'd start, start talking Rebel football with him, and he'd say, Ron, come on, man. You called the wrong mark again. <laughs> and he, he then got used to me doing it. I only so did you it. made that mistake a only, lot. I only did it a couple of times. And so, but he always found it funny. And then he would ask me, so how are the rebels? Uh, what do you That's think? Funny. He, but every time we would chat, you may have had this experience too. And he would, he would pick me for information like the rebels. What do you think? What's going on in Vegas? Tell me about this. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yep. He'd, he'd want to find out what was going. Now he often knew stuff. Like, like you said, before we did here in our own city, even though he might have been in New York or Denver or Seattle or pick your in Portland, pick your NBA city. But he, but he was always wondering what was going on back home here in Vegas and wanted to hear the latest and check on he his, it here. his rebels. He missed it here. He was still very close to the program, certainly very close to the boosters. So Mark Workentine will definitely be missed. Definitely a legend, uh, in the game of basketball. Mark Wallington's still here. Yeah, M- M- Mark Workentine. I'm going Mark Workentine is, is gone. In, yes, <laughs> Mark Wallington is still here. He's still here. The, Bless what, him. The SID, right? He's the uh, SID for football for, at for UNLV. Yeah, but don't mix up the two. They're two very I, different people. I, I wish I still could. <laughs> I cannot now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, Workentine will be missed. Great guy. Great family. My thoughts and prayers. And, are and I'm also going to add to that list is Ed Gorgian, who was an assistant coach with the Jerry Tarkanian teams, who died earlier in December. So we lost this month, uh, late this year, a couple of old guys who who built that national championship team that went to three Final Fours in five years. Think of that. Three Final Fours in five unheard years. Of. That That's they, unheard of. That un- they never, built a dynasty. That, uh, that couldn't happen today, right, Tark, Ron? I mean, t- no, Tark's record his last two years. <laughs> Uh, that's unbelievable. Take, take a that's, guess. Do you know what Tark's record was his last two years? Give me, give me As basketball coach at UNLV. I might have. I love asking this question. What did he question. lose? A couple games, right? Uh, he was sixty and three. <laughs> no, in fact, Tark used to say when because he coached his final year. That's awesome, here, man. He would he would joke. And when he rescinded his resignation, he would he would say, oh, "You'd so think great. sixty and three would be enough to keep your job, but I guess they got a coach that's going to do better." <laughs> okay, Roly Massimino, when he came here, by the way, was thirteen and one, and he was pounding his chest as he was is wont to do was. And then Bob Maxson was jumping around and pr- pr- proud of, look, we kept the team. We told you we'd keep the program going. We took, and then they fell apart. Yeah. Uh, Roly, I, I said on air at the time, I said, well, eventually Roly's going to teach them how to lose. <laughs> they still have running rebels in them. They are still J.R. Ryder and Elmore Spencer, Everett Gray. Um, H. Waldman, go down the list. You know, God, I wish Keaton I was Thomas. around. And I wish and I was around here during this time when you were covering the, uh, he that taught team. them how to lose. Uh, and then they, they have, they lost and then went to the NIT. Oh, I did say it at that time, too. I said, good thing they have Roly Massimino as their head coach going into the NIT because he has experience in the NIT. Yep. He, at Villanova, the last 10 years, he was always in the NIT. Mm-hmm. So he's got good experience, which that was an extreme failure. Jay Wright and I – and I, I, I want to touch base with Jay Wright at Jay some Wright. point. I he, spoke with him he, when he was coaching USA Basketball he, here as an assistant. He was an assistant coach yep. under Roly. Yep. And he and I would fight and go at each other. 
Um, really? No, we had great arguments. So I'm going to tell you stories. Um, and, and this was – so Jay Wright, Villanova, won a couple of national championships, and I really liked Jay Wright, okay, as I say that. And I liked our battles that we had. But but what would have it was, it was a little bit of a sideshow. First of all, Roly used to yell at me on camera when I would ask him questions. Why do you ask me? Why do you ask me that for? You know, and go at me. And so, so I, I'd just smile there, like the guy at the, at the Raiders game. Yep. And I would have my lead story that night as Rolly went off again on camera. Here it is. So I'd show it, you know, <laughs> and I would, I, I remember one of the times I asked him about a guy named Fred Haygood, uh, who came here and was, um, was a guy who was a JUCO and had bad academics and was coming here. And I asked him about that question because academics and athletics was the issue that, that ultimately got, that the administration that was still in charge then, Bob Maxson, was the administration that had gotten rid of TARC. They used academics versus athletics, which is not a real battle. You can have both, Stanford. Of course. <laughs> you can have both, BYU. You can have both. Well, they don't have athletics much anymore. But anyway, nor does Stanford. Uh, they have the programs, but they aren't playing You're real not well. much of a BYU fan, are you? I am, but uh, no, but I'm, I'm hard on my program. <laughs> I love BYU, but I... Chris but Matthews is a big BYU He's fan. a Utah guy. Oh, oh he's Oh, not. he's University of Utah. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, so he's more Utah than BYU. Oh no, he's he he's is Utah. Utah through and through. He, he okay. graduated. Is that where he went to school. Okay, he, he graduated that. from University of Utah. I there, went to yeah. BYU, but uh, I'm still. Can't on. you be both? You can't be a. Are they rivals? I am. Yeah, I am. No, I am. But typically, if you, you can't be a, a a UNR fan and a UNLV fan, that's for sure. I am. I want really. UNR, I I like UNR to win when they're not playing UNLV. I have no really? problem. Really, you root I, for Steve I, Alfred? Not How Steve, could you root no, for that guy? I don't. You're right. I don't care much for Steve <laughs> Alfred. I like Chris Alt. I loved Chris Alt when he coached football yeah. up there, and that was a real good rivalry. When Jeff Horton left there and sure. came down here, it, it, okay. So where was I uh, telling the story? Oh, oh, I was going back to the old Rebel days and Rolly Massimino, yep. Jay Wright. So, so Rolly would get mad at me that I would question the the athletic the academics of any of the players coming here, but that was an issue. That was an issue, and I had been here. I knew the context of that sure. issue, and he got mad at me for even bringing it up. Okay, so Jay Wright. There was one time <laughs> the RJ did this story. Um, how much time do we have? We got, okay, we got about five okay. minutes, Ron. We got the, R- time. the RJ did this story, and at that time, R- RJ was carrying the water for Bob Maxson, the president of UNLV. Now they've gone through five different ownerships since then, and different people, but they carried the water, and they, they were they were the the arm of PR for the university to get rid of Jerry Tarkanian. It couldn't have happened without mm-hmm. their their support. Yep. It wouldn't have. And so anyway, they did. And so I pointed out that bias early and often, all the time. One time there was a newspaper article that talked about how Rowley's new team, the academics, again, in, in the battle of academics and athletics, Rowley's new team had had the highest GPA of any Rebel basketball team ever. And so they- People they, really care about that? Oh, no. well, no, it gets better. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't right. know. I mean, you okay. tell me, do people but that really- was, that was back then, Brian, that care. was the issue to get rid of Tark, <laughs> that he was ruining the academics of UNLV that took a 2.0 to get into, right, or understand. 12 credits at a JUCO. It, it took nothing get to get it. here virtually to yep. UNLV, but Tark somehow was ruining the academics, <laughs> which he had nothing to do with. Okay, so, so, wow, we're going back 30, 40 years here yeah, now, I was everybody. Barely, you don't I was mind? Okay. alive. No. <laughs> so the RJ ran this picture and they had 20 pictures of, they had the 12 basketball players and they had six to eight other people who were on staff that were, that they also used to put, to put the GPA, the ball boy, the towel boy, the administrative assistant. They used their GPAs 
when they figured the team GPA, they used the GPA of everybody on the team, <laughs> 20 people, and they were now, let's go through here. So not necessarily players that were using. They were not players. Uh, three Team uh, managers, uh, yeah. tall boys. One third of the people they were the using. The that are getting all straight A's at you. The, the RJ with a straight face. <laughs> and again, my apologies to the curtain people at the RJ, but you got to hear this story and you know I'm right. Uh, the RJ ran this story with a straight face in their sports page of, of who <laughs> these people were. And, uh, not really who. They buried who these people were. But the headline was... Look, look at what has happened. The GPA has risen. Thank goodness we have Rolly. Now we're losing. We're playing horribly and we're, people are wearing bags over their heads to the games and we can <laughs> barely get fans in the stands, but our academics is way up. So I, I, that night on air, if the RJ did that story, I put the pictures of all the people, um, who were, whose GPAs were added in there. I'm going to go here. Um, they weren't as ethnic as the basketball team. They and there were two or three Asian guys in there. Okay, so I'm going. I I put their pictures up and I said, "Here's whose GPAs they're putting in there." And I didn't know their GPAs, but but I was I put that story out there that they're why what the hell are they doing adding the staff members? Oh, I know why because they want to get that GPA up. That's clearly why they're doing it, and that's what they did. And it worked, right? Because most people didn't know the full story well, that you're, tell, you're so telling. So Jay Wright. Us right so now. I go to practice, and Jay Wright. With Roly off in the distance, where they, he then became Roly's boy to be able to go after me at practice and started yelling and screaming at me at practice. And I would yell and scream back a little bit. We'd trade some paint. It was sort of fun. I enjoyed it. At one point, when J.R. Ryder got put on probation for. J.R. Ryder, yeah, I just saw him for, in Vegas not that long ago. I haven't seen J.R. Yeah. and I got to catch up with J.R. He coaches an AAU team. It does he? Good yeah. for him. He Interesting got put, guy. Put on probation because he got. Roly needed him for his last year here. It would have been his junior season, I think, but he wanted him to play here because he needed him on the team. So he took 15 credits over the summer. And this came out, by the way, it came out, then the RJ had started to turn on Roly. Someone started, um, and he took a PMS class. One of his credits was a PMS class. And, Are you serious? And the, there was a class like that? No. I it, need to take that class. He, took, he, took, he said he was doing it <laughs> to help us to understand his girlfriend more. Um, <laughs> I grew up with four sisters, so I didn't need the PMS class. <laughs> so, so That's anyway, great. so I, I I pointed out the how ludicrous this was, and I felt bad for Jr. that he was being thrown into this mix. I always felt bad for the players that they were part of this battle between the university and the coach, um, whether it be Roly or Tark or whoever. And that Jr. I remember in Long Beach for the for the Big West media. It wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, it had to be Big West back then. For the uh, conference tournament and JR and he, and he's lighting into me, Jay Wright. And so I just stopped and I said, Jay, I said, this is sort of fun. I enjoy this going back and forth with each other. I get the game that's going on here and you're a good soldier for Roly. So listen, I don't mind being the fall boy. I'll be the guy that you can go at seriously. Cause I, I get that and I'm fine with that. I didn't take it personal. I didn't take it personal, but we did. We went at it a few times over my coverage that was balancing the coverage out and I was. I was not just accurate, but I, I was putting things in context. I love hearing these old this, school stories, uh, and and I can I can listen to you talk about these stories all year. I'm very jealous because I wish I covered the team back then when you were here. But uh, before we go, gosh, we only got a couple more minutes left. I love these few trail stories, man. <laughs> um, what do you got going on for New Year's Eve? Are Nothing. you working? Oh, we're at the, uh, no, I'm not working. But I know Channel Eight's doing the big show that we've got. Of Eight News Now. Yep, uh, it has the big show for New Year's Eve. And we, we're at the Palms, so we're going to be there, and we our coverage goes all over the West. So we we see. 20 markets over the West, big markets, L.A., San Francisco, maybe yep. you've heard of them. Um, Salt, I have. Salt Lake, you, what? I've heard of San Francisco. It's a, San, San Fran, Diego. San Francisco. Uh, 
Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you can go there. <laughs> we can have that conversation. <laughs> Where are all the sports teams leaving from the East Bay, Oakland? But anyway, um, and and they're. I am so looking forward to this matchup coming up this weekend, though. By the way, having the Niners fun. Niners in town and the Chiefs yeah. right after that. Yeah. But but that being said. Uh, yeah, the Palms is where 8 News Now is going to be broadcasting from and doing the stuff on New Year's Eve. So everybody stay safe out there and enjoy and have a good one. And let's go into 2023. I love how the casinos, here's an old school story. Uh, Quickly, we only got a minute. <laughs> there was a time, there was a time the casinos didn't cooperate with each other. Now it was more fragmented. You didn't have just two properties, Caesars, Harris and, and MGM that owned most of the resorts. It was fractured. So, but you couldn't get them all to cooperate to close down the strip for New Year's. Uh, Al Boca, a guy who did the Las Vegas Marathon for years, wanted to run the marathon down the strip, but he couldn't, again, get cooperation from all the casinos to be right. able to do it. You understand right. how difficult that would be. What we have done, by the way, in by New Year's, in making that happen for Las Vegas, where the casinos now cooperate for the general good for everybody in this city, has been phenomenal and given us the party on the West Coast, and probably I'm going to go better than New York City. I've not been there for a New Year's Eve, but let's go here. I, I love what we do here. We used to do fireworks on New Year's. I remember driving to work one time, 9 o'clock at night. Okay, watch at the clock. 9 o'clock at night on New Year's Eve, and they were doing blowing off fireworks downtown Las Vegas, a puny little fireworks show. And I go, what the hell are they doing? Oh, that's for East Coast TV because the East Coast people couldn't figure out that we're three hours later and it's not midnight. But they wanted to get on East Coast TV, so they had our fireworks show that at 9 p.m. at night here in Las Vegas and a bad fireworks show. This had to be mid-80s when they did well, that. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going <laughs> to be. My, my, my before New Year's Eve celebration will be watching you on Channel 8 tonight, uh, Anchor, as you do a wonderful job, you and Chris Matthews. I hope you and your family have a fantastic New Year's Eve. You guys do a great job over there at 8, Ron. You know how much I always love having you in and telling you. your stories. I could, I could hear this for hours. Unfortunately, they only give me two hours a day here. What? So, yeah, what are you going to do, my man? I'm glad to have one of them. Thank you for having me on and happy <laughs> Thank New you. Year, everybody. Always a pleasure having you in here, Ron. I always appreciate you. You're a great friend and, and a good dude. And, 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 uh, please, uh, tell your wife I said happy New Year as well. I will. Uh, tell, tell her that, uh, you She doesn't me. like me talking to you on the phone at night because yeah, that gets me worried. I know. Up tell her, and, tell yeah, her you yeah. came in and you, and you did an hour with the liberal today. Anyway, we got to go, everybody. Uh, Ron, thanks so much for being here. We'll see you tomorrow. Michelle Mortensen, formerly of Channel 8, will be joining us in studio tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.